Turn your radios down. Turn your radios down. It is finally hot man, hot girl season. What's cracking with y'all? What's up? What's the damn dealio? It's your boy, the Pod Piper of podcasting, the most electrifying creature of all of podcast entertainment all over the globe or locally, whatever the fuck you, how you feel about it. But it's your boy, Mr. Nate Robinson. With me as always, it's my partner in crime, Mr. Clean or Fresh himself. BJ, what's cracking with your brother? It's sundress season. It is. I know you said it a few weeks ago, but it's really out there now. That's what I think every time I see a fat ass with a sundress. It's like, oh, good morning, America. <laughs> Who do we have with us, Nate? Man, well, I'll let them introduce themselves. My man with the, the <laughs> white guy with the fro, looking like one of your kids. I'm Don. How are we doing? <laughs> ah, this is great. I need to loosen up. How are we doing? I'm Don. Nice to meet you, Yep, Don. I'm a comedian. Cool, cool. Yep. And we got my dog back back in town, back with us. What's it your name, brother? It doesn't matter what my name is. <laughs> the Rock. We Dwight. got we got the uh, Pale Rock here today. <laughs> that is Brad Scott. My man. Brad, what's cracking with you, brother? Oh, not a whole lot. Just enjoying life. I got you, bro. I got you, man. Yeah, man. So we He's got, fired up. He is. The Heat. Yeah, we are. He's a big, no, he's a heat, big Heat fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You thought he was talking about the weather? I thought it was the weather. <laughs> I was all the weather. The I Heat. Tra- so tra- the, the white guy was referencing basketball. <laughs> and the black guy was like, it is unseasonally it is warm. It is unseasonably. Well, it's finally fit, get, fucking getting warm. God damn it, we had snow like two weeks ago. Shit. But yeah, the Heat, man, they're making a run, man. They make eight think, more games. You think they're gonna uh, beat the Celtics? Yeah. You sure? Absolutely. All right. How many games do you think? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah how many? Five. And five? What? Yeah, it's the answer for <laughs> oh, everything shit. in life. It's the answer for everything in life. Heat, heat and five. five. Whoa, you are. They I, they win every round in five. They won last round in five. Heat and five. Okay. All right, my man. He, and they won in six last game. Nate, heat it was five. It's six, heat and five. It's it was heat and five. You're focusing on semantics, okay? It's always heat and five. I got you, man. The I, got in the you. Past. I got you, man. I remember one year they said Pacers and eight. I said, yeah, we're not going to get to the second round. <laughs> was that the year that they played the Heat the Easter Conference yeah, Finals? You they guys, lost again. You guys worked all season uh, to have uh, home God. court advantage and have game worst. seven on your floor. And lose. And it doesn't matter when it's Heat and five. Yeah, right. LeBron James, for Christ's sake. <laughs> well, this is going to be a sports podcast today, is it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I watched it last night. The Suns lost. Oh my God! That's the worst game I've ever shitty. seen a team play. They got raped in game in game age. seven. And I love like everybody makes a run at home right? too. Yeah. Well, Chris Paul is one of the most overrated players. Uh, uh, come on, man, man. He just didn't show up last night. Yeah, because he he's ninety. He's thirty-seven, but the man also went fourteen for fourteen from the field in a playoff game too at a game seven last series. So come on, man, you can't come it's on. It's against New Orleans. Yeah, it was. They were sad in the motherfucker, but look, man, the bottom line is the motherfucker went. He is not. For he is not clutch. What? Dallas also had three twenty-plus scores though. Two. 230 plus. So, like, they were like Chris Paul. I don't like Chris Paul, man. Did you guys watch the TNT broadcast? Yeah. The best thing was on the pregame is they actually did an interview with Luca, like, a few minutes before tip off. And right after they did the interview, which was a very awkward interview because, like, Luca comes up and the guys are just like, 
uh, yeah, man, so this is game, and they, it's maybe 30 seconds, and he goes away, and then Barkley and Kenny the whole time are like, I, don't, I can't believe he did that interview. Like, I would have never have done that interview at a game seven. Are you kidding me? Before the game, I would have said no. There's like, they, and they were basically making it seem as if it was the reason that he and the Mavs were not going to win that night. Jeez. And then he comes out and scores the first eight points of the game. and Smiling I think, after every single bucket. Like, yes. Well, they were up thir- 40. I'm he, half. He outscored the whole Suns. They were himself. up 37, and he hit that. He hit that. Yeah, three. he had as many points as a Sun at. Yeah, Suns and they half, asked him. Yeah. He goes, "You know, you have as many points as the Suns." And his first thing he goes, "Yeah, I did." <laughs> yeah, I knew because that. Because him yeah. and Booker, that they did not like each other, and I think that's. I mean, because we always try to build drama, right? I mean, it's the old thing: build up to rivals or whatever. But they were mouthing each other the whole game. So I'm excited for the Heat and Celtics because I love Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he got a bad, bad rap of all the other places, and then well, and look, and so I, I want, can I address that real yeah. quick because Jimmy Butler became one of my favorite players after I heard about the Minnesota practice. Yeah, mm. which if you don't know the story, he played for the Timberwolves, mm. and uh, it was right, I think it was right after the season. I think it was the beginning of like the off season workouts, and they pretty much knew they were going to move. Uh, him somewhere and he has a practice where he takes the last four guys off the bench does a five-on-five scrimmage against Carl Anthony Towns at the time Andrew Wiggins and the rest of the starters and he dominates and not only is he dominating the president of the team I believe the GM they're all there watching and Jimmy is talking shit to those guys saying these guys are soft these guys are never going to win and uh, came out later he did it without even scoring he did it with defense and assists and was just and there's also uh, a controversial take on whether he was wearing a Rolex at the time or not and (laughs) of course he immediately became my favorite player maybe maybe not balling with Balling and balling. But Come look, on. look at the team he left for Minnesota, Chicago. They are notoriously one of the worst run franchises. If Michael Jordan hadn't bailed them out with six championships in the '90s, which should have been more, but management wasn't Jerry great. Krause, yep. Jerry yeah, Krause. Yeah, they. Then he goes to uh, Minnesota, one of the most historically losingest franchises in sports. The Clippers have more success than the Timberwolves. They've only been out of the first round one time. That was with Kevin Garnett, and that was like 97, That's when Kevin McHale was seen as a god because he had Marbury and um, Uh, Garnett Garnett together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so he leaves there. They haven't had – this was the first year they had any sort of resemblance of success since he left. He goes to Philly, again, a notoriously terribly run franchise who literally came up with the motto, uh, tanking to the top. Yeah. that's he goes definitely what they did. First year, first and only year, he takes him to the second round. A Kawhi Leonard bounce away from the Eastern bucket. Conference Finals. Lucky bucket. And they decide that he's not worth it, and they get rid of him. Every franchise he's left, it's been proven. They're a dysfunctional, disorganized franchise. He goes to a good franchise with a good structure, good management, and guys that just want to win. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean... Udonis Haslam said it the best. When you put uh, Jimmy Butler in a cage with a bunch of cats, he's going to you know, be aggressive. He's going to attack. When you put him in a cage with a bunch of dogs, he's going to lead the pack. Haslam's a bad man. I, I was reading like the stories and interviews about him, what he's really like. That's one of the guys you want on your team. He he's, almost, he's almost Rodman-esque. No, when he did play. He was. I mean, he was, he was a good rebounder. He was doing a lot of dirty work. Yeah. He was a better scorer than Rodman. Yeah. Definitely. Like anybody would. Oh, as a Pacer fan, you know exactly about those little uh, 16-foot jumpers from oh, the uh, corners. Oh, my shit. But that's the whole point, though, <laughs> is like certain teams, players know their role and they execute their role the way the Bulls used to do all the time. And then other everybody else wants to score 80 points or, or like fucking tweet their fucking highlight reel. 
The Bulls never even gave a fuck. They already they, if if Scotty and Jordan had good games or at least decent games, they had a chance of winning. And the thing the thing with them was, man, they were unselfish. They knew if we had Jordan on the team, he's dropping thirty. We got a chance to win every fucking game. Well, they also knew if they were to take too many shots, he's gonna assault them at the next practice. Oh, come on now, or, Jordan's calling motherfuckers he, out he in the game. Uh, what what did he say about Kobe and that little the All Star? He's like, I would just, if I was teammate, I'd never give him the ball because he always <laughs> wants to go one on one. And that's like this Kobe's first All Star. It's a great story, but yeah, Jordan wouldn't pass you the ball. I mean, if someone misses four shots in a row, you're gonna keep throwing it to him? No, you're not. Hell no! Nah, but he would do that to Scotty. He kept Scotty the ball. Scotty have a bunch of bad games. He can't hit a goddamn basket. He kept giving it to Scotty. I remember one play he got a steal. Ran out and Scotty was behind him and he threw it off the backboard. <laughs> it was like Scotty, come on, motherfucker, get the best get dunk though is when he dunked on Ewing. Scotty did. Ooh, Scotty? Yeah. Oh, he dunked oh, I thought you were talking about it. Jordan. I think there's a lot of people that have dunked That's on Ewing. Everybody yeah. that dunked on Ewing. God damn. But that was one of the ones in the playoffs or whatever because you didn't have a lot of Scotty Pippen highlights. You didn't. Like no, I mean, not really, not like that. Unless he was like throwing shit when he threw the goddamn chair and shit. He used to trip out, man. Scotty Pippen back when. Remember when Jordan left? And he took the he took the Bulls off. They had the same exact record. They got to the second round, just kind of like what you said, lost in Game Seven. And I guess, uh, um, no, they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the Game Seven of the second round, the play wasn't for him. And for Tony he, Kukoc, yeah, it was for Tony Kukoc. And he sat on, yeah, and he, he, and he went the out. fuck, and he went the fuck off. You know what I'm saying? And like, Tony Kukoc hit the shot and hit the motherfucking shot. He's like, motherfucker, you ain't gonna celebrate with your teams. And he had a big ass attitude about it, like. I don't know. I mean, you were, you were second fiddle. You can't be a prima donna. The only person that was ever a second fiddle and had an argument, like a respectable argument, was Kobe Bryant back when him and Shaq was playing. You just knew the transition was happening. You could just see it. You know what I mean? And if it wasn't for Kobe acting like a bitch and snitching, he they probably still would have been playing. How did Clay Thompson? I mean, Clay's a beast too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's okay. A, I would love just, to see him said on a second team. fiddle. Just like him being well, that first Clay, option. Clay and Steph, because you already know, now, like eventually but... Clay's gonna be better than Steph at one point, because because Steph's gonna slow down. But I don't see Steph slowing down. At well, Clay all. seems like he slowed down a little bit after that injury. Well, Steph's smart. He's not like uh, he's not like Iverson I mean, used yeah, to be, where he quarter. doesn't drive. He, his game is not attack. He will attack the basket, yeah, it's not but it's very of calculated, yeah. and he does not put his body at a lot of there was I, yeah, Iverson puts that did system it. perfectly. Stoudemire did it. Um, for the Raptors, all those small point guards would just go in there and take a beating, and then but you don't see Curry do that a whole hey, lot. Hey, John Morant. Yep, John Morant. Oh, I, hope, I I pray to God he don't go out like right uh, like because uh, everybody compares him to De- Jalen or uh, Derrick Rose. I hope he don't have that same injury, man. Derrick Rose was a bad man. And he was a bad. They'll be fine. They have Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Dylan and the guy Bane. Bane. No, that guy's no. pretty good too. I, I love Bane and mm-hmm. actually love Jared Jackson Jr. as yeah, well. But Dylan Brooks is one of the. If you're especially if you're somebody that's like cheering for the Grizzlies in a game, Dylan Brooks may be the most frustrating player ever mm-hmm. to watch on a team you're cheering for because the dude. Like I can't imagine how those guys like playing with him. Like he just shoots. Exactly. They yes. Just... <laughs> He's gonna get his shots up. But I'm a tell you somebody i probably have a problem with playing with too though uh pool jordan pool jordan pool oh my god like that motherfucker does not play he does not 
past the he fucking. He started bug. a little bit more, and I it, think it was probably because when Clay came back, Clay was like, "Oh, you know, those are my shots." Yeah. Right, like motherfucker, hold on, damn it, I'm a splash brother. You ain't no goddamn splash brother. Like I don't think there'll ever be three of them just popping it like that. Like, that Golden State roster is loaded, man. Yeah, Andrew they're Wiggins super was loaded. an All Star. Yeah, Wiggins plays great defense yeah, too. He's a dog, he can, they can go to him at any point, and they mm-hmm. haven't yet. That's the thing. Well, but the only thing is they don't have any size now. No, well, that's 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 Wiseman fought right there. He should have been ready. Like I, I don't know. I don't know what type of player he's gonna be. I seen the Pacers been trying to get him, trading him for Turner, which I don't. I hope we don't. We don't I think they're gonna get Aiden. Aiden, if we get Aiden, that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. That'd be but, a great but player to build he nothing, But he's playing with Chris Paul. Right now, he's a live guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's developed a shot or whatnot, but... He's a good offensive player. The problem is, I mean, big men are becoming obsolete yeah, in you, the NBA. Yeah, you got no Joel Embiid, uh, your guy from Miami. He's a fucking stud. Bam? Oh, oh he's man. a love Bam, Bam be hoeing people. I've never seen people get hoed on the court like how Bam be hoeing people. Like, well, physically hoeing them. That like, defense last series uh, was, like... All time, if you look at the defensive metrics of yeah. of Bam's one on one defense with guys, it's it's literally an all time uh, insane number. They're like a match made in heaven. Him and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy. Butler. Well, the whole They're team like, fits so well together. Yeah. And honestly, I think one of the the things the Bucks are now regretting the most yeah. is not PJ bringing Tucker. back PJ Tucker. That man, he's, oh, he's one of dog. those winning yes. role players. Yeah, you gotta have somebody like that on this guarding the best player on the opposite team. Selfish. He could hit that corner three. Like they say, he shoot. He's like leave, leave the league and he and, was over fifty percent in corner threes. Like you have to watch. Well, no, no, that you could play. just say threes because for PJ Tucker, they're all corner they're threes. All cor- he ain't shoot no other type of three. But he doesn't threes. even really want to shoot to begin with. No, he he's got perfectly a, fine with being a last option and has a hell of a fucking shoot collection. Uh, My amen. brother is fucking yes. But did you ever hear the story about um how, what happened? Why he left the Bucks? Uh-uh. So the management pretty much told <sighs> him at, at the uh, at the end of the uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, during the free agency, hey, go out and try to find offers and we'll match it. He's like, what? So he's like, at that point, it wasn't even about the money; it was about getting back at them. Well, yeah, because what they're telling oh, him there is. Do you see the on JJ Reddick's podcast? He talks about <laughs> how. Uh, God, what was it? He got. Hey man, you can't interrupt somebody and then. I've been trying know. to throw. In my, you, you guys won't stop talking. I've been trying to throw in my two cents. I got you. I've been trying. I'm over here playing Scrabble now. I just started. <laughs> what did you go say, Don? I'm no, sorry, back brother. To it. I missed it. God, I lost it. Oh fuck, well. Yeah, good job, Don. But yeah, man. But that's fucked up, man. They told him, man, go out to any other team and we'll match that shit. So he went to fucking. Uh, Miami, Miami gave him two for fifteen. He was over. He was uh he was being a shithead in practice and like not putting in effort or anything. And then they they were. Are oh, you talking about when you played for Toronto? Was that Toronto? Yeah, That's yeah, where I yeah, fucked yeah, that yeah, up. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. For, Toronto. for Toronto. Yep. And then yeah. he got sent over to Europe because of yeah. that. Well, yeah. he went. He just went went to. Who overseas. wants to be in Toronto? Everybody tries to get out of Toronto. <laughs> I mean, uh, now who doesn't? I mean, who, I mean, but they're still a decent team. Who wants to play for the fucking Pacers when you know the but goal is to just be, to make the eighth seed of the playoff? Who, play? wants, who wants that yep. fucking? Who wants to be taxed like that? All, all over there. Oh, yeah. I don't even. I thought know they don't. Works. I thought they didn't charge out yeah, there. How's that I thought Cal, I thought L.A. was the highest one. No, Toronto's one of the highest one. That's why a lot of people try to go play in Texas because they have no state income tax. And Florida too. Florida too. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's where you. a lot of players try to go to Texas and stuff like that. But here's an interesting note, though the the 21 percent increase in ratings for, uh, from over last year, and this is the most watched postseason since 2014. 
Wow. It, that This has been one of the best first two it's rounds big. I can remember. It's and such you, a toss-up. That's why. Because LeBron brings ratings whether you love him or not. Yeah. Because like, people either want to see him lose or see him win. but And then that's what they were worried about, not having LeBron in the playoffs. Yeah, it's like be it's like uh, pro wrestling. The yeah. worst thing you can be, uh, or the worst reaction you can get from the crowd is indifference. Yeah, yep. exactly. And not seeing LeBron, I mean, it's a, it's it's fine. It's the, you can see the torch is finally being passed. I haven't missed him. I'll be honest. I haven't I missed mean, him and he, even last year. I mean, they were they were out of the first round, yeah, and the I, the playoffs have been really good. The NBA's always been. It's just like Saturday Night Live. People want to remember the the cast they grew up with as the best of all time, and they they remember the memories and the nostalgia more than the actual product. Because if you go back and watch like those '90s NBA, they're trash. I am sorry, Man, people who say that <laughs> it was it was so bad. It was like it I was mean, pound pound. Yeah, pound, just more aggressive. Yeah. That's yeah, all they did. Throw it in the post. Throw it in the post. Throw it back out. Yeah, no but, threes. But he brought up a good point. Another wrestling point is how can we miss you if you don't go away? Exactly. So exactly. so if he's gone for a little bit and if he makes that one last run, oh, then, and he will, and then that's where you're going to be. That's, great. That's when you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I want to see, I want to see, because like it's always been good. I don't know why, but I'm always been a fan of players that when they get older, how they play. Like I remember watching Shaq as he got older. Like you could just tell Ooh. the finesse in his game. Like he was, he wasn't as dominant, but he was still getting fouled like he was. But you could just tell like he became a better free throw shooter. He became a better finesse player. He was laying the ball up a lot more, more dishes. You know what I mean? You've seen a transition. Uh, another player that was kind of like that too was KG. Man, KG's first year is all paint, <laughs> Swedish all dog. You know what I mean? And then he ended up getting a three. Got that fuck when he's with Boston hitting that corner Sweet shot. Sweet jump shot. Wet motherfuckers. God. Uh, I mean, you got to be able to transition like D-Wade. Now, D-Wade's damn near was the greatest. Because that man went from a star to a role player, but like a high six-man type role player. Like, he's giving you 15 off the bench playing like 15, like 20 minutes. Night. You yeah. feel me? Like Are you talking about the, his last his season? His last year? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. His last year, he had like five game winners that year. Yeah. They didn't make the playoffs, but he was – he made me want to watch him play another season. Well, and they uh, – even a couple years before that, which was pretty much the start of the tail end, uh, when they went against Charlotte mm -hmm. uh, in the first round and you had the purple shirt guy game where the dude in the purple shirt yeah, came uh, <laughs> on the floor was like taunting Wade. And Wade, who I believe had hit three threes the entire season, drills back-to-back -back threes. Yeah, yeah. Wade wasn't playing with their ass. He was hitting some game winners, man. They was, he, he had the braids and shit. He was out there not – he wasn't playing. Now, now I don't know what the fuck he's on now, but yeah. You know. The NBA is seeking $75 billion from ESPN and Turner Sports and new TV contracts. $75 billion. They're going to get it. Especially with these ratings going up. They're going to get it. They're going to get it easily. Like Everybody wants to watch the NBA. But i tell you something, though. If college basketball continues to be how it is, that you can forget about that regular season being 82 games. Because them 82 games be some boring-ass fucking games, bro. They don't play no defense it's just three pointers being shot i think you're gonna see a shift in that after this year though honest to god because you're gonna see teams like milwaukee who had they not not like in fact they actually tanked a lot their last few games because they wanted to avoid brooklyn and look what happened they end up in the second round not even facing brooklyn playing a game seven on the other floor which is probably you know one of the biggest uh, fuck ups yeah well, I got a question for all three of you. Um, 
is w- w- the one of the questions that's out right now. Would you sign James Harden to a max contract? Hell Absolutely no. Not. Hell no. 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 Now, if you're a pacer, hell yeah. Because what do you got? To, who do you got? If you're, <laughs> if you're a desperate franchise that needs to put asses in seats, then I get that. Like, then I give him it. Give him it all. But other than that, his efficiency is fucking horrible. Obviously. He can't get up. He can't get past Game seven. Second half. Doesn't move off the ball. Nothing. I would not Auto sign mysteries. James Harden up for a FanDuel account. Doesn't move off the ball. Like, That's the biggest I, thing. I, I think he's liability. one of the most overrated, like, that style of play. He has to have the ball in his the yeah, most exactly. The most effective he's ever been was Houston, where he had the ball in his hands for 20 of the 24 seconds. The rest of the team is bored and, you know, completely checks out of the game. They're looking can in shoot the stands. Yeah. They can shoot threes. And, oh. that's, and that's just, it's not... Joel Embiid, I feel bad for him, man. Who's, I really do. Who's more? Who's more overrated, James Harden or Russell Westbrook? James Harden. James overrated. Harden. Yeah, you James mean Harden. overrated because the expectations. Okay, because Westbrook, Westbrook at one point in time was going to be he was the franchise player after KD and then um, Harden left, and then he just never did anything with it. First round exits. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm pretty sure that MVP season he averaged a triple double. They still were like an AC. He averaged like a triple double. Yeah, they barely made the. This playoffs. is the first year he didn't average a triple double. He averaged a triple double with Washington. He averaged a triple double, uh, obviously with OKC. He's just a stats guy. Well, he's also his the his dominance stats, was yeah. his dominance was based off his athleticism. Yeah, yeah. And at some older. point, it's even though he's still extremely athletic, and obviously. He's more athletic than all five oh, of us in this room on. put together. Even in his bat, even when he tore his fucking foot off. Oh he, yeah, he beat he me in still, a race. He still beat yeah. our ass. Yeah, like, if he had, a, if he tore his, both Achilles, he'd still outplay me. No, yeah, no yeah, doubt about it. Easily, easily. Yeah. But he's again, it's the expectations. Uh, you you kind of you kind of saw the decline a little bit with Russ coming. So now your expectations. I mean, what did they want him for in L.A.? They really just wanted him, hey, we need you to carry 15 games during the regular season when LeBron doesn't want to play and then be a third for the, You look at James Harden as he has to be the second piece to a championship team. He's not going to be that anymore. What about KD and Kyrie? Kyrie's won a championship with LeBron, but it'll always be he hit the game-winning shot, the three, but it'll still be LeBron's. KD ain't, KD's not a leader. He's not a leader. He doesn't have that lead mentality. He's you, too. You think he's too busy with his yeah, burner account? Not even mentality. none of that. He just don't got that. Now, nah, now, Katie could be a dog. No, I ain't gonna say that. It's just that when you know, what I mean, you're down by a couple of points. You're having a bad game. Some other people's having to. Be, he's not gonna get in nobody's face. He's just gonna just sit there and let the. He's a little coach. bit passive. He's like a he's, passive superstar. He's passive. You LeBron know what I mean? like was Kawhi kind of. They would say that about LeBron for the longest time. Like he would pass a shot, and then at the end he started taking a shot. Then yeah. he started. Then the conversation changed. But with KD, it's really not changed. Or with Harden. And, I mean, there's so many super teams. that These guys never, they've never, besides Harden, I will say Harden, like, Harden had some shitty Houston teams. And they still went far in the playoffs. I mean, you got to think. That motherfucker had P.J. Tucker at center. That was a fun series when that one and the playoffs. They, they were doing good too. Like yeah, he, he was like second in MVP votes that year. Yeah, he was. They were doing good too. But, like, but that's because it was everybody else on the team was okay with that system. Yeah, yeah, and then he had a lot of shooters too. Like yeah, you got to, you got to have some yeah. shooters. You know what I mean? And then yeah, Dan Tony's the only coach that can coach Harden because <laughs> Dan Tony knows all his 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 ailments, and Dan Tony don't preach defense. 
He's like, shit. You just outscore him. If you can outscore them motherfuckers, I'm good with. I hope he goes it. to Philly. Yeah, that was awesome. Who, because who, who I Dan, don't. Yeah, Dan because, Tony does not need to coach no more. Well, no, he no, he's going to be coaching somewhere next year. Bro, he's seventy five. Doesn't what? matter. That man looks good for seventy five. He did not look seventy five. He's the next. You gonna want him to go out like Jerry Sloan? But think about this. <laughs> think about this though. Our, and we're not gonna get into politics. Look how old our politicians are. And this guy's just coaching basketball. So it's but okay. basketball's way different. You're having to be there every day. Wait, they're oh, running the free world? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> the motherfuckers, hey, the motherfuckers oh, are living here. Leading a country's one thing. Leading a country's one thing. Now here's my argument. But deciding who to rest on the second night of a back to back in March? Come on. That here's, takes a leader. Ukraine. Here's my argument. Um, All you have damn. to do is get a Jason Kidd and be like, hey, what should I do? All right. All nah, right. Jason, nah, Jason Kidd was coaching. Nah, <laughs> Julia Carson. <laughs> Julia Carson was on her deathbed for like three years, man. And she was still making decisions at the crib, half dead. You feel me? To the point where she was like, just ask Andre. And then Andre ended up taking that seat, bro. You don't got to. that. They have politicians Mike Brown ain't got to deal with Mike just coached the game's uh, six win. Now, he don't do shit. Now, now, but look though. Now, when Mike Brown was playing with the Pacers, when Larry Bro was coaching, when Mike Brown was the defensive coach, and Rick Carlo was the offensive coach, uh, them niggas was coaching. <laughs> Cause Larry didn't have a shit idea what he was doing. Larry's like, God damn it, I was busting ass during my day. What the fuck do we need well, to do? That's why great players can't be great coaches. No. Because it's it's just hard for someone at that great. To, they just look at them and they go, well, just go be great. Yeah, be like me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, you can't do that. You need the little white guy who was, you know, down on the bench, a Fred Hoiberg or somebody like that. He was not a good he coach. Because had, he had to learn how to play basketball Scott, around everything. He was everything. not a good a Scott coach. Scott Skiles. You should know. Steve Scott Kerr. Skiles, he was not another. Steve, Steve Kerr. Kerr. Steve, Steve Kerr, Kerr really yeah. wasn't a good coach. He just fell into a great situation. Wait, no. No, he is a great coach because you okay. So it's just like Phil Jackson. You have Dude. to have some sometimes, especially with stars of that level, teams that level. You have to have somebody that can lead them. Mark Jackson just wasn't that. I mean, Mark Jackson had that same squad and couldn't get past the first. And round. that team is so like, like play style oriented. But yeah, but that was a first year like really playing together. Like Clay is starting to become a name. Draymond's rookie year, you still got David Lee, who's technically the best player on the team. He's still getting paid a lot. They had Beatrice on there. Andrew Bogut. You know, they had Andrew Bogut. Like yeah. they had a lot of pieces that they Harrison were showing Barnes. signs. They just weren't there yet. And then as soon as the next year came, when Wilson was out of there, that's when you've seen the transition step. But they won the championship, over. right? In Kerr's rookie and year, first year, yeah. yeah. And he can so, follow. But that, and yeah, so you think Don? You think Doc Rivers is a first, is a good coach then? No. But he won a, a championship. Coach. But he won a championship his first year with fucking Dial, uh, with Boston. Well, no, but he had been coaching before that. It doesn't matter. He and came he in, had, he got a same, and had, same situation. had historic losses, and then he happened to get the big three in Boston. Steve Kerr's first year as a coach, his yes. first year as a coach, he wins the championship. You don't remember Steve Kerr with the Suns as the fucking president? That's not the coach. No, he traded Amari for Shaq. I mean, he traded, um, not Amari, but fucking um, my guy who couldn't, who shoots like this. Sean Marion. Tra- yeah. traded Sean Marion for Shaq. A 37-year-old Shaq. Are you kidding me? But that doesn't have anything to do with Shaq coaching. Shaq going like this. Oh, yeah. He, 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 sure, he fucked it up. The big he cactus. fucked the whole shit but up. But you got the big cactus for you. And it slowed the whole... It, it made Steve Nash look like a regular. He wasn't able to... He wasn't doing none of that shit. Shaq in the fucking paint. Who did he get rid of, Amari? 
No, he got rid of. Uh, of uh, it was the deal with Marion. Sean yeah. Marion and like Barbosa. It was a couple of motherfuckers. Yeah, but where did they go and do anything anywhere else? Uh, Sean Marion went, went to Dallas. And yeah, won a championship. Got a, yeah, I got a ring. I actually met Sean Marion. He's a Vincennes University alum. He was at uh, mm-hmm. USA Basketball. Was here in two thousand and two, and he had a little white guy going around Target, um, and he just kept throwing DVDs and CDs in there and stuff like that. <laughs> Wait, and throwing them in where? Like a, in a shopping Target? Cart, shopping oh. cart. Yeah. I wonder how he was throwing them. Well, anyway, <laughs> that oh, one. Oh, that no, one. Just like this. He didn't that care. One. I'll take two of those. So we get we get to the checkout, and then I was like, "Hey, that's Sean Marion." I was like, and then so he was checking out behind me. So me and my wife uh, checked out, and then guy goes, "Hey man, do you play basketball?" First of all, just because you see a tall black guy doesn't mean he plays basketball. Did you say that to him? No, the cashier oh. did. Okay. Well, but in the I... cashier's defense. And then he goes, "Probably didn't know." <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I play basketball." He goes, "You play locally?" And I was like, "Hey man, that's Sean Marion, you know, uh, NBA player." And he's like, "No shit." He's like, "What are you doing at Target?" <laughs> just asking the worst questions. Yeah, like, I can't be regular, motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here. And it, regular? And have you been to that's, Target? That's when he was, <laughs> and you, knew you have he, to play in the NBA to shop there. You knew <laughs> it was Sean Marion. One is because you could tell his face, but he also had all the N one gear: the bucket hat on, the jacket, the pants. Oh the yeah, this is definitely two thousand two. Yeah, because N one ain't been shit since. Well, and when you were when you said when you told that story when you said that like the little white guy was walking around yeah. throwing DVDs to the carts for whatever reason it didn't click in my mind that like oh this is the guy that's like getting his stuff yeah. for him I thought it was like a DVD of Sean Marion that the guy was just like promoing for him just like throwing in people's carts like hey no 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 check out uh, my boy's highlights from Vincent's University it was just horrible because the guy that was pushing the car you can tell he was just miserable that he was there <laughs> because he's a part of USA Basketball that's helping everybody shop he was just miserable. Because he, he, he was like, he kept trying to go through the checkout. And Sean's like, no, no, no. Hey, come over. got to grab a few more things. The guy was just like, God damn it. Yeah, you know what? Fuck that guy. Uh, he should be Cheryl, who works the village pantry down the street from me. That <laughs> bitch's life is terrible. <laughs> she would kill to have a day to shop for DVDs. Which village pantry? Uh, Old Marie, the, our village pantry. I live right down the road. Well, there's one there and one there. Oh, no, no, no. Not uh, uh, Old Meridian. Okay. Yeah, I remember Jamal Is that the Saturn? I think so. She has bandana? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's my girl. She always hides monsters for me so they don't sell out of them. Oh, you're the reason I can't get my fucking kid a monster half the time. No, <laughs> I drink tea and lemonade. What are you doing giving your kid a monster? He's <laughs> <It's> 15. Said, <laughs> so get ready to die early. No, yeah, I remember Jamal Tinsley. It's easing him off the cocaine. No. Yeah, I remember Jamal Tinsley. <laughs> I heard him. He used, to play, he used to be point guard for the Pacers. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah. He, he shot a gun off at a yeah, cloud nine yeah, in Indy. Yep, yep. So he's about his, that life. I did a show there a life. month later. So I remember uh, going to the Sunset Strip Club. This is like my homie's birthday. We going in there. We're sitting at our table. You know, it's kind of early, so it's a number of strippers there. We're like the only guys there. So it starts. People start coming, and then all of a sudden, like this big, big, like three big motherfuckers come. I'm like, oh shit! And then like a big, big dumbass stack of money just pow. Another stack, pow. Another stack, pow. Another stack, pow. And the guy's like, hey, I need y'all to watch this for me. I'm like, excuse what? you? I'm like, what? So my guy is like, man, I'm about to take this shit. I'm like, nah, bro, because they still watching it. Because mm-hmm. look at these motherfuckers in the back. It was yeah. a little test. So we they literally leave the money there for like 20 whole minutes. So we're over here like, 
all the bitches coming by us like oh shit we like to say it you know we can't we need to tell them like hey bitch don't touch that money <laughs> i know y'all coming for this but don't touch it yet <laughs> wait till daddy gets it's here it's like acting know? like a random car is yours right like, yeah. like i can't you can't touch it you can't get inside like, but we you can free look lap dance it's like where the money i'm like uh as soon as god comes i got you so then he finally comes. We're like, damn, that's Jamal's tizzy. Jamal's like, hey, y'all, appreciate y'all, man, for watching the money. Man, what y'all drinking on? He's like, never mind. Get these niggas two bottles of Hennessy and whatever else they want. He's like, man, y'all ain't got no money on y'all? Man, get them $500 each. Shut up. It was three of us, man. <laughs> Through the pack. <laughs> I'm like, man, Jamal Tizzy is cool. What the fuck they be talking about him on the news so bad for? This nigga is awesome. You- I pocketed that four hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Sold the bottles of Hennessy. Hey, I kept hey, can the you bottles. give me mine with the tabs? The, the Look, tops I'm, on. I'm pouring bitches bottles and drinks. What you want to drink? Yeah, you got like three bottles. You want? Yeah, I got whatever you I want. Yeah. yeah, my nigga yeah. Tesla got you. Shit, you, bro. He took care of us, man. We kept coming by. Like he's like, oh, y'all ain't got no more money. Man, give him another hundred, man. Shut. Like every time we walked by, he was like, what's up? Hey, y'all come over here and sit with us, man. Fuck these big security. Y'all big security niggas get the fuck up, man. Watch me. Hey, let these niggas sit right here, man. Like he treated us like royalty, dog. Do you know what the best Jamal Tinsley highlight ever is? Which one? It is not an assist. It is not a dunk. It is not a three-point shot. It is from the brawl in Detroit. When oh, yeah. the Pacers and Pistons got into it and the fans started getting into it, yeah. there's a scene where, or there's a, not a scene, there's a part where uh, Jamal Tinsley is trying to get guys back in the locker room and he has a, like, uh, like a dustpan. And he is like, like it's a, like it's a sword. Like he is trying to fight off fans with a dustpan, and it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire hilarious, life. Hilarious, hilarious, man. Jamal Tinsley will always be a legend. In my eyes, not because it gave me money, but because of the dustpan, it helped. Hey, the dustpan, but that, that money definitely <laughs> yeah, helped. It, it changed helps. my it yeah. changed my perception of it. Yeah, you can no, you and you know what? You can always tell like when people have a celebrity <laughs> encounter like that, you know, because like all of a sudden you and your friends will just be joking around about something, and all of a sudden one of your buddies for no reason just like you know what, man? Uh, like Paulie Shore's not a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? It seems like the big no, no, no. I'm pretty sure he's a decent guy because <laughs> right, I right. saw him one time at a McDonald's and he was nice to me for five seconds. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, there's always like these weird loyalties. Yep. Dom Herrera once big time me at the Dallas airport. Oh shit. Um, we were in the Dallas. You ever that, been to though. Dallas airport? Yeah. Ah uh, no. They have the Atlanta airport where they have wherever they, they have. Tra- I've been to Atlanta. Trains. Yeah, where they have the trains, trains or whatever. Yeah. So we get on the train. I have my backpack and my suitcase. And I look over and I'm like, oh, kind of like that. I just gave him a head nod, and he does this. And puts his head down. For the audio medium, that is, uh, he puts put sunglasses, sunglasses on. And I'm thinking to myself, at that moment, Tom, I got petty. I'm like, dude, you're not that big anymore. Sell the fuck down. This is 2013. <laughs> Get, off <your> high horse. <laughs> Get off your high horse. But he thought I was going to, I don't ask any celebrities for pictures, autographs. I just don't do it. I'm like, hey, I like your work and I walk off, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't never either. But, but, yeah, you got to act like it's regular. Yeah, you never know. They might be having a bad day and try to fucking, you never know, right? Plus, if you're traveling, like I did, I was on an airplane every two weeks for three years, right? Every two to three weeks, I was flying. You're fucking miserable, right? And you don't want to be bothered. And then I was just gave him a head nod, put sunglasses on. I was like, "What the fuck?" 
He should have given just a nod back. Yeah, that's why one was like, hey, man. Then if you come up to him, that's when he puts on the sunglasses just right in front of you. I'm not going to bother people that travel. Like, there's people that sit outside when people get off airplane. Fuck that. They deserve to get their ass beat. (laughs) If you shove something in my face, like, here, sign this. I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm 10. I'd sign shit all day (laughs) long. Fuck your kids. (laughs) Yeah, I would. I would sign shit shit all day long. Let's keep the the nerd train running. We on sports, man. Let's keep it going, man. So we got any wrestling fans in here, guys? I mean, well... I'm a huge wrestling fan. I know he is, and yep. I know you are. Are you a wrestling fan? I got you, nothing. You got nothing. We yeah. got to get something that Don can relate to, man. What what's what's your uh, what's your nerdy passion that you consider that that you may talk about with this select group of friends? Uh, football. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I like the NFL. Sports. I'm yeah, I'm definitely down. To anything talk about outside sports. of sports? Oh, anything outside of sports? Do you game? Comedy. Comedy. Yeah, let's talk about the comedy scene. Did you? Uh, with that. One thing is the George Carlin documentary is about to come out on HBO, um, and then that was probably my biggest influence with jo- Carlin. Who is your biggest influence, Brad? We'll go. To, we'll, we'll do actually do some questions. Uh honestly, uh, just I mean, I I don't know necessarily that I have like a, a person who necessarily influenced me. It's just been like guys that I've more respected and appreciated their style because I felt like it was more aligned with my senses. Um, like Daniel Tosh, uh, Greg Girardo were probably the two. Greg Girardo was uh, one of one of mine. But um, I'm 42, so mine in high school was Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer because of the I'm an Asshole song. It's so stupid, but that just, he was just so anti-PC culture, and I just loved it. And that was probably one of the him and Carwin were probably the two. But if I had to go say here, watch this special, it was like no cure for cancer was like my teenage years of like how I felt. Mm. Mine was Chris Rock in my teenage years. Chris Rock, what's that yours, Dan? Uh, like <sighs> probably like someone's style that I really try to imitate is Anthony Jeselnik's. I like how he just doesn't give a fuck. Like he will talk to you about absolutely anything. Uh, he's one of my favorites. He's the best. Like he's the roast master. That dude is the best. His beard looks good on him now. Yeah, yeah. He looks like a grown man now. Whoa. <laughs> What's wrong? Real, with... re- real recognize real. Nah, this yeah. cool. It took me forty two years to have this fill in, so like it took him a while. So I, I, I respect that. <laughs> and uh, Conan O'Brien as well. I like Conan. I'm a fucking I'm road a man. man. People, people don't realize how much shit he went through. Amen. To get to where he. That had dude is got. tough. To still man. come out on the top side with his own show, his own shit. Yeah, yeah. and he was loyal. And it, he is, yeah. and he's 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 done a lot for bringing up, you know, new comics. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I forgot who's on tonight. Uh, T T Murph is on his show tonight. T Murph, comedian T Murph out of Chicago. So anybody that knows like any Chicago comedians, man, T Murph is hilarious. He got the big fucking beard, but he's like five foot three, short than a month. Yeah, I saw it on man. social media today. Yeah, but he's like, hilarious. I thought he was on Fallon. Yeah, that's what it's going to be on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, yeah Fallon. All right, my bad. Sorry we all look alike, don't we, Nate? Oh, y'all motherfuckers. Nah, I'm just playing. I fuck with Jimmy Fallon, though. That, that, that motherfucker's actually funny. Which late night talk show you think is not funny or overrated? Well, they already got him off the air. Who's that? <laughs> Jay Leno. <laughs> I was going to say James Corden. Corbin, like, Corden, Corden on the Late Late Show. Do you think he's more I, of a celebrity than he was a not talk show host? Well, honestly, I, I liked him as a comedian better than a talk show host. I feel, yeah, I feel like the talk show host the really talk show, dialed, they ruined his down. comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. just like uh, Pat Sajak. You know what I mean? Like Pat Sajak's all, a funny motherfucker. He's funny as a motherfucker. Like I didn't even know. I I, I seen. I was a project of a product of seeing the shows before seeing his actual stand up. So when I first seen it, when I first seen him at Morty's. 
act a fool. I'm like, this nigga is really crazy. He's every fuckity fuck fuck Wait, fuck Pat over Sajak? here. Pat Sajak? Pat Sajak. I mean, not Pat that? Sajak, but uh, I'm fucking up. Uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. Bob Saget just passed away. Oh, That's what I was say. Bob Saget. First time I saw his stand-up, I saw Full House, and I saw his stand-up, and I was yep. like, what the fuck? Yep. It's brilliant. Then, then you saw him on Entourage, and you're like, holy fucking shit. It's that's brilliant. Really, that's really and that's where Bar- and half-baked. That's where Neil Patrick Harris got Barney Stinson was going to a fucking Bob Saget party. No, that's no, where that, he got the character for cool. How I Met Your Mother. I didn't know that. That's what's up. I, I got to stop mixing up these white people, though. Yeah. <laughs> I use something. In, I do it all my black friends. Don't worry about it. Anytime I do clean uh, comedy, I uh, I take something from Bob Saget. He, uh, anytime he, because like you said, he's a fucked up comedian and like he was America's Funniest Home Videos host, which is very opposite. Yeah. Anytime he thought of something fucked up, he'd just sit there and not say a word and just smile at the screen. Like straight up, man. Yeah. 90s father of the year. Yep. Like, goddamn, that was your, white people's dads was him and our dads was Carl Winslow. Or uh, or uh, James Avery, James Avery from fucking uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That was our dad. I related more to James Avery because you know you took in a kid that wasn't his. It was a lot, a lot like my childhood. Yeah, but James Avery well, was and sweet. Minus the mansion and money. Your first he was sweet. <laughs> you may not want to admit it, but your first dad was uh, Cliff Huxtable. Cliff. Hu- <laughs> <laughs> I oh, saw this. Bill, on, Bill, huh? I, saw, <laughs> I saw this on TikTok today. Someone said, "Whoever thought in 2022." Um, if you went back into like the '80s and thought who would be in jail and who would be president, it would it be Bill Cosby or Donald Trump? If you thought about it, like in the '80s, because like Cosby was God to all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought well, I thought somebody was stolen my bit because I had a, a thing I'd sit on stage where uh, I'd say you know like out of you know Cliff Huxtable out of Cliff Huxtable out of all the '90s dads, Cliff Huxtable. Uh, Al Bundy and the dad from Seventh Heaven. Who would have thought Al Bundy's the one you trust your kids around? I'm, I, hey, seriously. They're about to do a reboot, too. Of Seventh, uh, Heaven? Seventh Heaven? No. Um, oh, thank God, because I don't know if you guys know about children. the dad from yeah, Seventh Heaven, right? He was fucked up, wasn't he? He's a pedophile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God damn. He was yep. fucking kids. Yep. Shit. Yeah, we need to burn his motherfuckers. Is he still in jail now, please? I don't know. I haven't kept up with them. <laughs> I stopped. Rock- I, stopped I, stopped, I stopped visiting yeah. after about a yeah. year. Let me check my notes. <laughs> I wanted all the behind the scenes on Seventh Heaven of Jessica Beale, so we went to the prison to talk to him. It's great. All right. So, hey guys. So, there's another question. You know, comedy related, man. So, local scene. What's your favorite club? Like clubs. Like, what's your favorite like club bar? Which one is your favorite one? Like, your your you feel like you did your best at. For me, man, I always liked. Uh, at the beginning, it was always crackers. Like I could always be like, "I'm gonna go to crackers." Are we talking specifically from a performance, like performance stand base? Like, so stand, okay, yeah. not counting in the none of that culture no. of the club no, and everything. None of that shit. Gotcha. None of that okay. Because I would have never named crackers, but <laughs> never ever. But no, crackers was the one where I could used to go to if I want to work on some clean shit. Which I knew location? I could say Bravo yeah, all day. Yeah, that's Come mine on, too. Bravo all day. Like I didn't even. I like I didn't even like. Uh, uh, what's the guy named that looked like Stone Cold Steve? What was his fucking name? Chris Miller. Chris, yeah, Chris. I didn't like that motherfucker for nothing, but I missed the shit out that motherfucker because he kept that bitch run. He kept it ran. Chris straight. was the reason Crackers was the number one club for over yeah. two decades. He ran it. And he ran it. I always said uh, that. Uh, oh, what's the other guy? The guy that's a sexual predator that, for whatever reason, helium loves uh, Chris Bowers. His biggest mistake oh, was trying to outbook. What's up, Bowers? Yeah. Woo! 
His his biggest mistake, other than preying on young female comedians, was trying to outbook crackers. And and you were never going to be able to do that because nationally, and especially in the comedy world, crackers was what was known. If I was him, my first move would have been to offer Chris Miller a blank check because once you take Chris Miller out of the crackers cog, the machine falls apart. And that's exactly what happened when he left a couple years ago. Yeah. And then you got to think, man. Morty's was going through a transition as well because when Chris came in charge, you know, you didn't know. You still were thinking like the black guy with the dreads was still in charge. But he was and robbing he was banks. Already robbing banks and shit like that. So he it already had a black eye. I don't, I don't, know, I don't, I don't, I don't know a thing I, they're talking I about. I am they, new to that's this. That's a true story. I don't want to be that. around any of the, the comedy scene if you guys keep going. We got sexual predator, <laughs> bank robber. I mean, that's what that's I've that's heard what about the a fuck? racist that's, lady that's somewhere. Yeah, there's a racist lady somewhere. I'm not going to say she's racist. She's just. Who, the owner of Crackers? Yeah. Oh, she's racist, and she's a centuries-old entity that just feeds on the souls of comedians and then retreats back to the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I call her Annie Wise. You think he's, you think he's thought of this once or twice? <laughs> I don't know. That's I, know we got, I know we got Brad, and he ain't gonna hold his tongue. I know. So. That was a little holster there. That was holster. Yeah. Yeah. Brad that. is one of the motherfuckers that it's like, all right, on three, we just pop, 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 pop. Yeah. <laughs> pull the like, bandaid. Like, goddamn, bro, what happened to three? Oh. <laughs> you said pull the gun. That's What's... all I heard. <laughs> He's still going to answer, then I have a follow up question. Yeah, go ahead. So, uh, which club? So, which, I'm still, which, I'm still working on kind of branching out and getting it into a lot of different comedy clubs. I've been at Helium, been to Crackers. It don't got to be a club. It could be a bar show, a regular show. It could be any of those, any show. Which place do you felt like, all right, this is a place where I know I can, when I perform here, I'm, I'm always killing. I've been to Summit person. City in Fort Wayne a couple mm-hmm. times, and every time I go up there, I don't know if it's just some of the comedians on the open mic are so shitty, but every time I go there, I've destroyed. There's nothing I can say that's not funny. Nice, nice. How about you, Big They run a great club. Uh, it's probably Sam Crackers of Broad Ripple. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that that's it was the perfect comedy club setup as far as a club goes the stage is perfectly located away from you know the kitchen area so there's not any type of crossover distraction noise the lobby was plenty big to hold you know people before and after the show the hallway in between uh the club and like the outside of the building is like so big that you could hold the the audience for like a meet and greet so you could Turn over the room. I just hated the upstairs. We had to walk upstairs to get into the main room. That's the only thing I, I just took like. the elevator because I'm lazy. Yeah, I mean that too. But like the stairs, and then you got like remember how it'd be real packed, and then you're doing you're going from show one to show two, but everybody wants to like take pictures, so it just be a fucking clutter. I used to hate that, but I look the forward room to that was so always much. good. God. The room was always good. I like I like Morty's room. Morty's the first one, not when they went when not when it was L Morty's. El when it was a Don Pablo's, El Mortes. Yeah. We came El Mortes. Yeah. That's when it was like it was fun to go to. That's when it was welcoming for me. But when it was the original Mortys, that's when it made you feel like it was a comedy club. Like you had to come in there with some pen and paper. That's back when it was like, hey, if you go to this other club, you can't perform here. Fuck that. We going to both shit. of them. Exactly. Yes. Why so, not? Yeah. First time I saw, I actually saw Brad um, at um, Kettletop. He closed out the show. First time I met you. Actually. Anderson. Yep. 
I always liked Anderson just because it that felt, was a good room. It felt like he got away from all the bullshit. Kyle Buck put that yeah. show on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kyle Buck put had the nice ass band in the back. You yeah, know what I mean, so you had stuff to fuck with and fiddle with if you. And then yeah, there's a, like a place for you to sit over on the side, and then and then you yeah, go like up a little and, VIP. Yeah, now, let that have go. been a black owned spot. That's VIP over there. You can't sit there. Twenty five bucks. <laughs> Is that your black impression, Don? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twenty five. That's my man voice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Just sometimes you just gotta go down just a little bit. <laughs> no, like I, I did stand up for a little bit, and then I enjoy producing, doing podcasts more because it's too political to do fucking comedy and indie. That's just my opinion. It's just indie. Fuck just indie. from doing podcasts, like people are like, oh, you had them on. I'm like, yeah, it was a great show. Like, oh, okay. And you're like, eat a dick. Well, like, what did what would you say is this, uh, Nate? You, you, I think, and I are probably the more the most seasoned uh, of this scene what what's what's the state of the union for the local scene for you right now in indianapolis right now it's like it's 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 more together but it's like it it ain't like how it used to be remember how it was like clicky it was like you got this click you got this click you got this click then you got the black comedians because we weren't never clicking we were just like hey we got this show this day we got this show we got this show here 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 like that's how it working. was yeah. so it was never you never seen black and white comedians working together in one room like you never seen it now it's you'll see us and white people all together like wait when was the segregated time of comedy it was super segregated I, how many shows did i always put you on with me though because you were one of my favorite comics wait, i never on, and to bro, be fair how many when? black comics have we had in indy we did have a lot that's what i'm saying you didn't know all of them and a lot of those guys like either quit or moved because they just see how indy was i can name a bunch of them like they didn't like the scene and felt like well damn if i can't perform on a on a weekend show but all I can do is open mics here. What's the fucking purpose of me even pursuing exactly. comedy Exactly, you got to grow at some point. And that's what I end up having to do, too. I could never get on at Crackers. I could really never get on at Morty's unless it was a nigga night, unless Ike was doing shows What, what night was that? Sundays. Sundays. I was yeah. trying to make sure. Sundays or sometimes he'll do like, he'll sometimes get a weekend. Do we still have that? Because I'm just going to put it in my calendar. Uh, No, he actually does shows now. <laughs> he actually does shows now in uh at the Jewel Center. But... uh. Or at the or at the uh, Ike's a CJ good promoter. Walk. Yeah, Ike's a great promoter. Yes, I'm not I'd love to see that flyer of that. What? <laughs> I can't repeat. What yeah, you, you can't said. say it. <laughs> Which one? Oh, oh yeah, nigga night. Yeah, I mean that's what it was. It was a nigga night. I mean, hell, we had a nigga night at Crackers at one point, but she brought in comedians <laughs> from she brought in comedians from Chicago. So it's like, damn, you just bypassed all the black comedians in Indianapolis. You just went straight to Chicago. So that's what made us say, as local indie comedians, fuck y'all. I'm doing shows outside of that, and that's how we were able to get booked outside of Indiana. It'd be like one night shows. So and you know, when I started, it was like, oh, I got this one night show here in Ohio, or I got this one night show here in Miami. Yeah, I'm making a hundred bucks, not knowing I could work the comedy club and make us buku. And be at home. I ain't got to go nowhere. Or I could just work with this other comedian and feature for him or host for him. Like, I didn't know the game. Like, Indiana didn't show me the game. How do you put your foot in the door into a comedy club that you've not done the open mic there before? You got to know somebody. Really? Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, when I did Crackers, he was the only one. Him and Brent Tarheen always be like, man, you're funny, bro. You just need to keep coming every week. Come every week. Come every week. Come Mm -hmm. every week. And I did. Be available. I come. I come, 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 come. I taste. I used to tell them, hey, come watch me. They tell me the same thing. You're funny. We like you. We got you in a rotation. 
and nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. So that right there, that's that's when I be, I made the choice to myself. Like, well, fuck y'all, I'll do it myself. And that's what I end up starting to do. To be clear, the the y'all he's fucking is not me and Terhue. No, 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 not y'all. Y'all was always cool. Y'all was the only ones that would sit there and talk to me after the show. Like, because when I first used to go to Crackers, I'd do my shit and leave. So I promise you this. I've, I, I fought for you. Because oh, I shit. fought for a lot of guys and... It just it, ha- it had to be like I had to see you there because then I remember like yeah, yeah. oh Nate's here and I would and go then, tell and then here's the thing too I didn't respect the fact that you probably had ten to fifteen twenty comedians coming at you the same way I was like I was thinking like all right Brad got me he got mm-hmm. me not knowing that Brad had twenty thirty other well, motherfuckers exactly. that but, they're coming at him the same well, way but mm-hmm. that wouldn't matter because I still would have pushed you probably a lot of the especially at that time the other guys were a lot newer it was it's just. I would like Chris, and that was one thing Chris did that I really appreciated was he would ask for Terhune and I's input a lot of times, like after open mics when we're sitting in like the office hanging out. And th- it wasn't necessarily that I had so many, it was just they, they were going to do what they were going to do, but like I would always give them the names. And I remember your name, every time you were there, I would go to Chris and say, Watch Nate. I would tell them after the show when they would ask uh, about recommendations, you were always one of the first names I would bring up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just yeah. It's what what happens beyond that. I had no control. Yeah, I don't I mean, want to make I, it sound like to, I was. No, you did. I, I got to get in there eventually. You know what I mean? I got to do a couple of host gigs back when they were paying their hosts. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. let's reiterate that back yeah, when, when they, they were, were paying, paying their hosts. Yeah. Let's say it in three, guy. Back when they <laughs> were paying their, their hosts. Host, you know, <laughs> when they was turning a profit. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Ultimately. It, it ultimately, I mean, I did a couple of shows and then I was like, all right, cool. I like doing this shit indie, but I need to branch out and do more stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what happened. And you have to, like I've always said, I feel like Indianapolis can be a bit of a mirage city, Hell especially yeah. for new comics. Because it's like once they feel like they become <laughs> established in this market, they feel like that is some sort of an accomplishment because they are known nothing. for doing comedy here, and it's just like uh-uh, you ain't even ready. Yeah, you especially once you get older and you've been out on the road, you start to see the bigger perspective. Because yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like being brought back when you're when you first start out. It's like entertainment's all the way up in your face because it's consuming everything around you, so you can't see everything so clearly. And once you you know do it longer and longer and step back, you go, oh, Indianapolis is literally. Uh, you know, disposable. Like it, it does not matter whether you do anything in this market or not. But when you live here and you're downtown, it has the big buildings. It can look like a it real, can look like a real nice like career making market. Clubs, but yeah. it doesn't. It's not. If you if you don't work here, you're fine. Yeah, it's you're not good. going to make or break your career. That's, that's the he hit it right on the head. If you don't work in Indy like all the time, you're good because you can work anywhere else. Like Ohio. I mean, how many fucking big cities are in Ohio? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and like I said, Brad was one of the first motherfuckers to be like, Nate, if they're not booking you, just go out of town. There's God, four in Ohio. It's a big Ohio. place. Yeah, it's yeah, a big just place. Just go. And then and it just took me watching. Just add. Yeah, it's four or five, whatever. But it just took me watching and just being like, damn, because nobody really never broke the game down to me like that. I couldn't ask the black comedians, not like the black local comedians here, because they didn't know. So I had to ask, like, a, I mean, I didn't have a BT at my disposal at the time because I've never met him yet. Uh, Dion Curry, I love Dion to death, but Dion was like, "Hey, nigga, uh, I ain't fuck all that shit, nigga." He just was like, I, I, "I'm entitled to getting on stage," so he was too into that shit. So it's like after those guys, I ain't had nobody to talk to. 
You know what I'm saying? So once I started meeting comedians from out of town that were established, they broke the game down to me. And then it made it, it was like, damn, why I ain't listen to these white guys? I was breaking it down to me from day one. And that's when I opened up and was like, yep, yeah, I need to start just being more versatile. See, as a new comedian, is what that's how I look at it is like, like I'm friends with both of you. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty good friends with both of you and you guys are 10 years older than me. And that's where I, I try not to, you need to make, friends with like your peers obviously people who are just starting with you but i try to take anything they have to say with a grain of salt because they're they're in the same headspace i am like we're, we're just competing back and forth at this yeah. point with how we feel about it it's yeah. not like we're we're co-workers or anything of the sorts yet exactly and we could turn into co-workers yeah. like we can if we wanted until to right somebody now, gets a promotion yeah, it, get a promotion then what happens you be, know? then you are the most hated motherfucker <laughs> yeah. amongst everybody that. that was telling everyone how great you were a week ago and then all of a sudden you get booked on something maybe they were interested in for whatever mm-hmm. reason even if they had no even if like it wasn't like you were chosen over them you like they had no shot at this you get booked for it and now it's like oh that motherfucker thinks he's funny right right like now, Brad, I can honestly say you've done more as far as like locally in the local scene. Like you were on Bob and Tom a couple of times. I was never on Bob and Tom. I've never, never been was? on Bob and Tom. Are you serious? It it was a it was a big running gag on my social media over the years, because yeah, I I I was approached by three or four people from the show on four or five different occasions and told to submit everything to be on the show. And every time I did, I would just never hear back. I, they ghosted me. Mm. But I've done like I, Smiley was was the platform that gave me uh, the most love. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So what do you, what uh, what advice would you offer a young up and coming comedian who is an open micer? How would you help them into getting booked for shows? Bring cocaine. Well, that's drugs do help. Yes. Drugs yeah, help amazing. If, if yeah. I have to tell you that, you're, you're <laughs> way behind in this business. That yes. should be the first that thing you learn: is cocaine thing. in your pocket. Yep. Uh, I would say probably you you need like temper your expectations. Like this shit is long, so mm-hmm. you have to you know you have to deal with being able to to. It's like we were talking earlier about when you start yep. something, you have to know that you suck. But you, and that's how you learn to get better. Definitely. A lot of the guys that stay stagnant in that open mic spot, it's because there's a delusion to them that they are better than what they are. And until you can embrace that you don't know shit and you suck, you're not going to actually get over that mental yeah. block. So you won't be able to learn. And the to me, the most important thing is editing. Learn how to edit your jokes. Like Learn how to edit material to where... That's how a joke becomes better. And that's mm-hmm. how a joke... Be, most of the time, a lot of new comedians feel... There's way too much talking within the context of a joke and you can lose the point. You can lose, you know, uh, you're you have a great premise about a penguin would be a cool roommate. And all of a sudden it's like, well, then why the fuck are you talking about middle school soccer uh, halfway through the joke? Because you're just yeah. So learning how to edit will make you a better performer. But I mean, if it's a club you want to work, it's the same thing I used to, you know, tell everybody like you have to be make your presence there or, you know. You have to be able to prove your value to the club. It's one of the two. You either make your presence there so that you become familiarized, though the managers know you. Don't go up to the managers also, by the way. Mm-mm. Every manager know you wants to work. Every comic is going to try to get them into a conversation and steer it towards them getting booked. And it becomes exhausting to them. If they want to book you, they'll book you. So treat them like people. 
You know, don't treat them like a boss you're trying to kiss the ass to because mm-hmm. every other comic is doing that. Like a friend you're trying to make. Yeah, you're. Yeah, talk okay. to them about anything in life that's beyond comedy a lot of times. I like that a lot. And shop with the club, too. Like, spend with spend money with the club, too. I, 100%. I, if they don't know who you are, you yeah. don't deserve free drinks. No, they don't. you don't deserve nothing free. Now, if you want to go to a show, that should be... That, like, that's why that's why I like Helium because Helium, if you're a comedian and you could be up and coming or whatever, if you want to go to the show, they'll let you in for free. I didn't now know you're that. not about to bring. Now you're not gonna be able to bring nobody. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, nah. it's, just, it's just like being it's respectful just, when yeah, someone invites you to their house. Yeah, it's a two drink okay. minimum. Same way, you pay your two drinks. You make sure you tip the bartenders. Mm-hmm. The ultimately, the staff is the ones that book you. I've learned. I learned that at Helium. Gotcha. Like, if you're if you're somebody that tips well, if you're somebody that's polite. Respective. They're gonna talk about you. You talk to yeah. them. You speak to them like you don't treat them like be below them. Mm-hmm. They're gonna vouch for you, and that's what I learned in Helium. Like they, they vouch for me big time. Noted. Dave Landau. Uh, that's a guy I learned a lot yeah. about how to be a comedian off stage in this business. And one of the first things I always took from Dave was I, I used to think maybe there was something wrong with me. Because you you remember this, Nate, when we were coming up, the idea is like, well, you got to be kind of a dick to be successful in I comedy. Swear. It's like, you, you can't be nice and be a comedian. And Dave was one of the first guys that I saw who treated, you know, the person working the front door the exact same way as the person who was paying him his money. Mm-hmm. And it resonated with people. The and pe- the, and to piggyback off what you said, the people you you, 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 you shit talk to is the people on on, on online. You don't see them motherfuckers. The people online don't. All they do is either if they fuck with you, they fuck with you. Mm-hmm. But if there's somebody that just don't know you and just say bullshit, then you short with them. You say the shit that you really want to say to somebody you want to fuck up mm-hmm. to them. Because what are they gonna do at the end of the day? Am I right, big dog? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna do a goddamn thing. Now, one thing that you did tell me about back in the day, you probably don't remember this, was laughs per minute. Like that's um, a big thing, dog. Yeah. And you broke that shit down to me like a science. I'll never forget it is a this science. shit. It is. He was like Pat Riley when it mm-hmm. when he told me that shit. He was like, <laughs> All right, come on, come on, goddamn. It was like three guys. We were all like listening. Two the of the motherfuckers like, I gotta go. I'm like, You motherfuckers don't wanna fucking do comedy. I sat there and really yep. He gained me like that, man. And I'm not bullshitting. You gained me all the way up. That's another that. part of doing it too, is you have to <clears throat> you have to to make concessions a lot of time in your personal life because you'll get so much more out of experiences and being around if somebody's where you want to be in a field i want to be around that person as much as possible listen to as much as i possibly can because that's how i learned the stuff over the years mm-hmm. i don't want anyone to think that anything i'm saying here isn't something that i didn't learn probably from someone else over the years this is not i am not a comedic genius that knew the entire game plan of this industry i learned it by you know being lucky and, and being smart enough to be like Anytime a comic that is somebody I want to have some sort of networking with asks me to do anything, I'm going to do it. I don't care if I feel like shit, if I got work in the morning, whatever. I used to go and do uh, a full Friday like day shift at Best Buy, getting uh, there at like 8, 9 in the morning, getting off work at like 4 or 5, going directly to uh, pick up the comics for the shows at Crackers and doing two shows, getting out of there at one, maybe two in the morning, going out afterwards with the comics to have a couple of drinks or just bullshit or chat, get something to eat, whatever, getting home about 5, 6 a.m. to just sleep for an hour and go do another you know, shift at Best Buy on Saturday and do the whole thing all over again. And it was miserable, but that's how I've networked. And I'm the most connected comedian you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, he ain't lying, bro. Like when I was living in LA, it was like you're out all night. 
you might think we're partying and have a good time, but shit, man, I'm over there like working, li- working, yes. like working yeah. the room, man. Okay, this motherfucker, oh, he sure was on TV. Oh, this nigga, exactly. he's a server, he's a writer for Conan. That's how I got my Conan gig, and then get lost it in like two seconds, man. Like, yeah, if it wasn't for COVID, man, it fucked some shit up. But I'm telling you, it's not about what you know; it's who you know. In this game, if you don't know the right motherfuckers, it's gonna take a lot longer than having talent. That's what I'm figuring out. Is everyone gets put on by some, everyone gets put on by someone? Like and, someone looks out for everyone, and you never know who or what which person is what. It, no, exactly, you don't. You exactly. Don't. That's big. You came over here sounding like it's God for especially, a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. especially with know. comedy because you don't know. Like, there's so many different people that do stand up. Oh my lord! Well, and it's here's the thing, most. Most comedians, legit professional comedians, can go into a packed room and kill. Like, we always think that when we have a killer set, that's what's going to... If your set doesn't have something very unique about it that that separates you from everybody, like a point of view, a perspective, whatever, there's a million guys in this country that can go on stage and crush for 30 minutes to an hour. That's why the offstage stuff is so much more important because it's honestly... Like, this is a business at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and offstage uh, stuff is way more important than what you do on stage. Because, again, everybody can do that, but not everybody has a friend who just got a Netflix special and is now yeah, progressing, progressing up in the industry exactly. and can bring you along as mm-hmm. part of their uh, team. Because that's when guys get success in this industry, they want to be surrounded by the people that they not only trust, but that they like and that they're friends with and that they like being around. Real I shit. mean, that's how I've been lucky enough to, to get to the shit point I'm at in my like I would be way worse in the, as, as hard as it is to imagine I would be way worse in the business of comedy and then in the industry if it wasn't for the guys that I've met along the way who were kind enough to you know keep me going that's what's up man. and it's the same way in this world of podcasting it really is mm-hmm. is I mean I know so many fucking comedians and um and it's it's weird is like I met Nate through Dyke because I helped develop Dyke's show Harder Brunch, which is by far one of the best podcasts because he fucking feeds you yeah, amazing food. Yeah, amazing food. <laughs> but I met Nate, and then now I'm doing fucking open mic and mic with Nate. So he's got me out there on what 12th and Sherman. Meeting all and kinds Sherman. of different people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chicken yeah. and Chuckles. Chicken and Chuckles, baby. Every Thursday. But the reason was is because we developed a, a working relationship. I helped him on his podcast, but we started clicking, and it was just like it was easy. It was like it was like. A long, a lost brother. It was pretty much like Men in Black. Like you're K and I'm Agent J, and like K's already been around for a while, and he's like, "Hey, I can take you to the promised land. All you gotta do is just come on board. And just be like, on time." I mean, I'll be. I'm. 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 Hit, I'm hit and miss on the time part. But I'm, like <laughs> when he did his first chicken and chuckles or whatever, there were some things I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna help him do it." And then like I think we. It's not about money with what we do or whatever with each other, but if his show grows and I've been doing it two or three weeks, I've already had four people ask me to help them, which I don't want to help them because I don't have fucking time. That's when you charge. That's when it's like, all right, you live on the east side. I need a hundred bucks. And I'm they're going to pay that shit. I'm going to overcharge. They're going to pay that shit. And like, they should. That's crazy because, like, all right, when he did uh, Big Mike G's open mic, <laughs> he didn't, nobody, and I love when a new comedian is like, wow, man, that dude was hilarious, bro. Have you ever yep. seen that guy? Never, I'm like, yeah, yeah it's Brad Scott, motherfucker. <laughs> I'll let that motherfucker, he'll do your show. Is that yeah, the one on man. Tuesdays? Yeah, that's the one yeah, on Tuesdays. Good, that's that's the one, yeah. He's, yeah. It's a, it's a cool mic. Really cool and, mic. Well, and it's like what you were saying about, like, that with the I yeah it's strange I I don't get asked to be on any Indianapolis shows and I'd love to do them especially right now when I'm not traveling 
uh, out, you know, outside of Indiana to do comedy yet. I'm going to hopefully get back to that later this year, but uh, I just I don't know what it is, and I mean probably my personality, but uh, I yeah I I've I don't get asked to be on the rocket ship shows, which I've lo- I used to reach out to came out doing them. I've reached out to the White Rabbit about doing shows there, mm-hmm. and I get booked much easier, especially by comedians like comedians in the markets and outside of Indiana, like South what? Florida. There's three different spots in South Florida that if I need to, if I want to do a, a paid one night gig. When I'm there, I have several people that I can look to for that. Uh, it used to be that way with Minneapolis, obviously Chicago, but for whatever reason, here in Indy, and it sucks because it's like, man, it's my hometown. I, I, I should you, be welcomed. You, I should yeah. be welcome. Yeah. Like, man, motherfucker, roll out the red carpet. Exactly. You know so, what I'm saying? Like, how many motherfucking other comedians that have that you know of have fallen off for some shit much worse than you just having your own opinion? Like, think about it. Besides. I mean, this is my dog. Shout out to Nate Grop, but whatever he did, which to this day I still don't really know if it's true or not. Nate's uh, a good dude, he's and a good whatever dude. he did do, he has he has remorse, and he ha- he has changed Definitely. as a person. Like he's an amazing father, he's an amazing person, and mm-hmm. you can talk to Ariana, and she'll vouch. He's she'll a vouch. good. Dude. She wouldn't have stayed with his ass if he Hell was nah. if he was no good because Ariana's uh, not going to fucking play. She wasn't playing, but it's just like, but now like. But it was so fucked up when it first happened that it caused him to stop doing comedy when he was on his rise. Well, yeah, because again, this market is like you were saying earlier becomes very clicky. I think that's the reason why Helium hasn't become what it should have been. Helium should have been the best comedy club we've ever had in this city, ever. And instead, it's just it's fine. It's more. It's fine. Exactly. And it's it's fine. It'll always it'll it'll be more successful than, than Morty's Way because more it is a franchise. It is yeah. basically like the people that are you know running Helium are like managers at a Walmart or a somewhere like that. It's a again cog in the machine, but that machine you pull that cog out, put any cog you want in it, it's going to turn because their business model is we're going to book comedians with their own draws, and we just need people that don't fuck this up. You know, they're game managers, mm-hmm. uh, like Alex Smith, basically. And Helium could have been the, again, it could have been the best comedy club we've ever had in the city. And it could have made our local, uh, you know, scene so much stronger. Yeah. But it, if I feel like it hasn't. It's it's going away from the local scene now because the open mics don't have, they don't have people for those uh, mics. Yeah. They don't have a lot of um, open mics anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they, should have two a week. Shit. Probably more than that. But like, they don't use that philosophy like other cities. You know what I'm saying? And, and just, honestly, Indiana does need more comedy clubs. Like, we mm-hmm. definitely need more comedy clubs because we got too many comedians not working every week. That brought up a location. That should have never went anywhere. That's That that's, was the best. If someone could get a comedy club in Broad Ripple. That spot's still available. It is? I've I've tried to try to put together, like, investors and shit to check in to, to like, get it. Because, yeah, it's going to – if you open a club – well, the, the, and you have those apartments right across right the, street. the street. You have the Vogue, which was always a huge uh, draw. Wow, like, I got yeah. to see some of my favorite artists. I got to see Lupe Fiasco. I got to meet Lupe Fiasco. I got to meet Bone Thugs and Harmony because of that connection with Crackers and the Vogue. And it's such a great location. And, yeah, we, we don't have – I mean, you and I are probably two of the best comedians in this market, and neither of us – would you say you have a home club right now? Uh yeah, honestly I would say I mean I, I like helium like I got I got 
That's how. I, that's why I said like helium is like Marty's part too because like Marty used to do that shit too. They book you like the day before. Hey man, can you host this weekend? Well, goddamn man, I just got booked for this, but I know the opportunity of performing here and killing mm-hmm. there is gonna lead me to more shows. It's like damn, it's like a double edged sword. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And yeah. I don't want to be the comedian known for booking a gig and then cancel on you the day of. Like that's the worst thing you can do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, to say to be honest, I. I'll say Helium because Helium was the first comedy club to give me an opportunity to host for a major comedian. Uh, But as far as comedy clubs that rock with me, I mean, you know, uh, Gutty's been rocking with me like a motherfucker. Gutty's is great. They're so welcoming there. They're welcoming. They rock with you. Man. If you got people you're coming with, they'll let them in. Like, sometimes they go against their own philosophy to make sure that the comedians are taken care of. So I would definitely say, honestly, if you're want to, if you looking for a club. Yeah, support Gutty's. Support Gutty's. Yeah. I love Gutty's. Yeah. Dennis, well, I've talked to Dennis about doing a show there. Again, yeah. I just I haven't heard back, so I just, pro- I probably need to be you more aggressive. Go there, you yeah. Just, just show up to there. their mic. Yeah, show come, up, with, come with me it. to the mic on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Just show up, kill it, or just go. Honestly, bro, go up there on a weekend and just be like, man, can I get a five? Can I get five minutes? Yeah, come with me this weekend. I'm hosting what's, this weekend. We'll see. What, what what's, what's the worst yeah. they're gonna say? You know? Yeah, come with me this they're weekend. They're gonna be like, come on, because you can do clean comedy. Like it's a thing. Like I'll never forget when you did. Uh, uh, I can't think of my man name. I'm shitty. I can't think of my guy's name right now. That's my dude, too. But he cut hair. Uh, Tony Foxworthy. Not Tony, but that's my dog, too. Shout out to Tony Foxworthy. The Crackers logo. <laughs> but uh, you did my guy's open You did my guy's open mic, and he booked you. And he had hit me up beforehand and said, how's this motherfucker? I said, shit, you, you booked a good one. And he was like, all right, we'll see. And you got up there. He sent me a message. He said, man, this nigga killed. I'm like, I told you. Where was that? Was that ju- was, that wasn't uh, just Will, was it? It was just Will. Just Will. Yeah, shout, shout out to, out to just, just Will, will and the Greenhouse Effect. The Greenhouse Effect, man, at the barbecue spot. Yeah, okay, so I actually went to that show specifically to watch Sears uh, with a mutual friend of ours that we had actually like. That's how I met Sears was through a, a girl I used to date, yeah. and I went with her. She talked me into going, yeah. and then when I got there. It was Sears telling me you need to sign up and do it, and I was like, nah, 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 nah. And then Will kept coming over me, but then it was Ike mm-hmm. who goes, motherfucker, get like he he was finally. I was like, all right, fuck it, fine, to Ike, I'll do it. And end up, I I think it's still maybe if you go to my Facebook page, Brad Scott, it should be somewhere through uh, like posted videos or whatever. But we did a live stream of it, and it was one of the most fun sets I've ever had. The greenhouse effect is such a good open mic. Still a good open mic. They think they do it once a month now. This Friday. Yeah, this Friday. So. I encourage anybody to go to the greenhouse effect, man. Uh, so do you yeah. think? But do you think that that we're um, in India is all consuming? Like they start to consume people. Yeah, like and that, that, that's, that's I why. Feel I like f- he's talking, he can't do anything in India. And I'm like, there's I, that. I mean, that's what makes no sense. As well, far I'm, as booking shows, I've been biting my tongue on this one. Uh, it it's. I feel like being around, like being around to stay around, is really a Show, prevalent thing. Up. Yeah, it's like showing your face. Like the moment you stop, just like how like famous comedians fall off if they stop doing stuff. Like anyone can fall off because there's always someone waiting in those realms. Oh. That's why my biggest thing is just like be available, be well, there. The I know why. I don't have a home yeah, club. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Though. We what? don't want to get into that yet. But, <laughs> but I mean, but it's it's like, I've so I've I've worked helium. Three yeah. three times I think, yeah. but I've never been booked by the Indianapolis management of Helium. Who'd you get booked by? 
Well, Did you have someone bring you? Drew. Okay. Yeah, Drew Lynch. Yeah. Uh, and okay, I, so he went that route. Well, you Drew, knew someone, yeah. Drew, Drew and I think were the first weekend show that they had, period. Yeah, he was, actually. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, see, so, see, so when I did... No, I'm, go ahead, go ahead. No, finish no, your story. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, because that's what fucked me up. Because when I did Helium, and I, I know Earthquake, so uh, the, the the his feature, which was his host, his name is Spencer, Spencer, uh, Spencer Neal, he was like, Nigga, come on, bro. You murdered in Atlanta. Come on. So I'm like, all right, well, what I need to do? He's like, nigga, I'll talk to Earthquake and just come tomorrow. I'm like, bet. Came up there tomorrow. Earthquake was like, oh, nigga, I remember you. Nigga, come on, bro. You can rock with me. You can rock. Kill tonight and you can rock all weekend. I'm like, bet. So that was the same conversation Drew and I had. But I didn't talk to Avery and it backfired. It backfired. What's it? Because it's like it's a respect factor with the club, and I I miss, I missed the whole thing because I was so into. I'm never booked. You take whatever rah, you can get. I'm gonna yeah. take whatever I can get. This yeah. is earthquake, so yeah. it's like, goddamn it, this is one of the funniest. This is my fucking comedy idol. Mm-hmm. Hell, fucking yeah, I'm about to do this shit. I'm not about to talk to nobody over here at Helium. Like I knew they had an issue when I come out, and it'd be no music, so I made a joke out of it every time. Mm-hmm. Earthquake <laughs> leaves though. You gotta stay in Indy. Hey, but straight up, he was he, he was like, I did my first show. He's like, Young Blood, I love that shit, man. You performing all weekend. Uh, you talked to the management, and I was like, Nah, I didn't. He was like, oh, I'm gonna talk to him for you. Good. So after that whole weekend was up, Avery was like, Hey, man, you can't do that shit. You can't leapfrog like that, man. Like, let me book you, and I'm gonna book you. Just you know, or at least let me know. And it was a it was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Like he straight up told me, like Nate, I like you. You was funny all weekend. You showed me that I should definitely been booking you. But let's go about it a different way. And it was it at first when I took it, I was like, damn, fuck, fuck y'all. But then I got to thinking about it at home, and I'm like, yeah, he's right because how would how would what if he already had somebody booked to host? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just took plan. somebody's opportunity yep. away. So it makes a lot of sense. So when it happened again, I Avery, I reached out to Avery. Avery, he's performing this week. Can I get on? He's like, I already had you stamped, but I appreciate you for letting me know. That lets me know that you already you you know how to you know this thing like the back of your head. So yeah, so, like if you can break it down to me again, it goes back to what we said first. Just tell me. If you could tell me or break it down to me, I'm mean, never gonna have an issue with me again, ever. And a lot of these comedy clubs, that's why I said like Helium is kind of like my home. Them and Guddies, I just don't do Guddies a lot because Guddies is just far as fuck. You know what I'm saying? It's two minutes from my house. Yeah, yeah, right yeah down it's like from my 35 place. minutes from my house, and that's with no traffic. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> you can always sleep here if you like. <laughs> I know I could. <laughs> That's why I put it in a nice recliner. Those recline. Oh, they do? Yeah. So you're just trying to get me to stay. I just haven't had any black friends spend the night. God damn, here you go again with this shit. We had an episode <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the reason I say that is is because it was very clicky, not to be negative. Because like I would do podcasts, and then we were doing stuff with a lot of... Because I did... He was actually not on mine. He was on Juices, and that's how I met Brad. And then, like, because there was a bunch of shows I produced or whatever. And then I was like, and then I just remember the uh, the guy's house it was at. We called him the landlord, and mm-hmm. it was his house. I remember him saying one to, to one comedian, he goes, oh, cool, you're here for blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, we, we, we don't really associate with those people. And I was just <laughs> like, and he goes, why? And they're going, what's the problem? And he started berating them for their beliefs, like, 
Aren't you guys all cool? I mean, he, he was like, is there comic beef? Like, you know. You would never know either. That's the fucked up part. Oh, I, Which I, kids, a lot of comedians are cowards. Well, I know yeah. because. They I, won't be honest. They can't, they can't care. They can't, they can't hold a stick to what you do on stage either. Well, and, and then I've been around, around a lot of comedians with their shows. And then like, and then you see like, you know, you're like, you'll see who they book on their podcast or whatever. And it's just like the same. And then, and then you see who does this show. Like mine, I, I don't, if you're funny, cool. And then, you know, like, it, that's that's it. If you're cool and you guys are on time, so you're welcome back. And, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I tried. I used to work with like, hey, I have some beef with comedians because they waste my goddamn time. I tried to teach them how to do podcasts, show up an hour late, and have me. Oh, talk, yeah, it's insulting. And have me talk to an assistant, and I was like, fuck no. Talk to us. That's, that's the worst. Like, can you can you show them how to do this? And that's the like, worst nope. motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> I ain't gonna name his name, but like. uh my guy, we like I literally was taking him on the road with me, and then he started doing shows with my other guy, and like they shows have been really really packed, and then so like uh, he his guy his management had reached out to me it was like yeah I see you do chicken and chuckles, I'm like yeah we don't charge nobody to get in we it's just an open mic, he's like all right man I'm gonna have my guy come feature man how much can you pay him. I'm like, did you not just see what I said when I said we don't charge no one to get in this bitch? So how am I going to pay your guy? What am I paying with? Chicken and chuckles. <laughs> like, he going to get some chicken, and he might get cut, you know. But it's like, let me reach out to him when I want to. You don't need no management. Like, young comedians. Or something like that. Please stop getting managers when you ain't even performed out of your That's city. like the old hacky guy doing the bar show. He's like, my manager gave me the option of Vegas or X small town that we're in now. And I was like, fuck Vegas. Yeah. Like, oh, none of that story is true. None of it. You didn't get offered Vegas. The reason you didn't get offered Vegas is because there was no one to offer because you don't have a goddamn manager. Right. And that's not even how a manager works. It's they don't give not. you the options. No, hell no. I agree a lot of people book the same people on shows over yeah. and over. And it, that comes back to like people you like being around. But I, I run a show in Franklin, and I do that once a month. And every time I do that, I never try to bring the same people over and over, and I try to get as diverse an amount of group as possible. But I also try to use that to my advantage and book people whose shows I want to be on. So. I mean, yeah, that's how you're supposed to do it. You, 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 you recipro the reciprocative energy. Exactly. You book, I book you. You book me back. Yeah, like, you I, and I, I have done that to to, for each other. Come on now. I've never been yeah. in what's called a black room. Me and Nate's talked about it before, right? Because Chicken and Chuckles, right? There's a mixture of white. It's, it was a couple weeks ago. It was fucking packed. Come with me tonight. So, but <laughs> I've seen white comedians go up there, and then you can see them growing as they're like fucking doing it in front of a black audience and it's it's awesome those are my favorite crowds yeah. predominantly yeah. black audiences are yeah. the best audience they've They're the seen most me honest. since my first first time i ever did you, a set like the like i said it's only been a couple of black white comedians that's done black comedy like rooms brad don uh <laughs> like, like, I, mean, <laughs> I definitely think you do a couple of them yeah but devin's by way our my uh we need to be introduced devin, my buddy devin thomas is here with us and he's been chilling but yeah he's half black yeah i was like devin devin did a bunch of them is he back a comedian when, back yeah mm -hmm. devin back when chubby's was around devin was always up in that motherfucker uh shit devin put in some work too we everybody put in some work uh, who else? Uh, but I got somebody. Nate else said I'm not allowed to do a black room. Yeah, you can. You can. It's fun, killed. man. You it's might. so much. It's so much fun. It's but, uh, honest. Oh, and Ray. It's very honest. Ray Hensley. Yeah. 
Ray Hensley's done a that's, gang of black rooms. That's the difference I've noticed between white and black rooms is like in a white room, like if you say Terry something that's Shepard. not funny, they're not get they're not gonna respond. Like they're just gonna sit there in silence. Well, even they'll sometimes even kind of politely laugh, like a fake laugh, uh, trying to like, oh well, this will get them going. Yeah, and that's worse than an actual. It's like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. I uh, like he's trying. Yeah, yeah literally. He's yeah. trying. Yeah. 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 Or it's or it's like the the comic, and then the only laughs are the eight other comedians that he's friends with yeah, in the very back of the room like, and uh, they're thinking in their head look this crowd just doesn't get us and it's like no motherfuckers there's only four people in the audience and you're all trash yeah yeah See, I, no never, one gets I never think it like put in my head like the crowd just doesn't get me i always well, have it i need to get funnier. no be careful with that too nate i want your opinion on this so yeah. there's a lot of things that i think are like these archaic ways of thinking and stand up like yeah. i don't think that to be a great comedian, you have to first become a great host. Because I think there's a lot of Come great on. comedians who are shit hosts. Shitty hosts. Like man. Jimmy Roberson, who used to be in Indianapolis, is a great Jimmy fucking is comic. really funny. Terrible host because he just... He's he, so monotone. He's not going to get you hyped. It's a different yeah. skill set. Yeah, it's not. It's, not, it, it's yeah. a completely different skill set. Being a good host is just having game show in you. You're, yeah. You have the game show host aspect to your yeah. personality. So I feel like a lot of clubs would benefit... From having someone that goes up to do the host type duties and someone that you're trying to bring up and, you know, get more time, just have them do a guest spot afterwards. Yeah. Because Jimmy, I mean, it used to it used to be a lot of anxiety that came along with hosting like at Crackers and shit because you had so many announcements you had to remember. Mm -hmm. And you felt like if you messed those up, that was going to hurt your chances of coming back and you don't get to grow as much. I also feel like the idea that it's never the crowd's fault. No, fuck that. Like, it, don't ever blame the crowd. No, sometimes if a crowd's not going to listen to you, it's them. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything if you're not going to hear my material. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm literally in a losing battle. And if we get told too much as comedians and trained uh, that we have to always overcome every single... It's like, no, let's be realistic. Sometimes crowds are shit. Do you See, think, that's, that's do where you I... Do you think a lot of time that has to do with free crowds? I'm not talking about open mics. I'm talking about, 100%, like... 100%, because there's not an investment into the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when it's when it's someone coming to see someone, like it's a paid show, and you're actually coming to see someone, like Ike shows, for instance. Okay, he has a headliner. A lot of motherfuckers ain't really here to see the headliner. A lot of people are really here to see like the people he books that are locally because mm -hmm. they were selling tickets. That's yep. that. That's I mean, when I went to a couple of shows, like when Ben was at uh, Jokers or whatever. Yeah, we were working together or whatever. So I went, and then like the headliner came on, you just saw the crowd. But the people before that, they were local people. They were just loud as fuck. Yeah, and then you see a regular comedian go up, and it's like, but that's not the way to run a room. That's not the way to grow your room like that. You don't grow like that. You know what I'm saying? That's because a money maker. That's a money maker. Like you don't you don't grow like that. You grow organically with talent. You know what I'm saying? But you use the people that bring the most people. You bring them on board. You train them to be good as hosts. Mm -hmm. Start them off as hosts or as a special guest, guest spot. spot. You I mean, know what it's, I'm saying? It's, You're still treated the same yep. way. You might be the second comedian that goes up. You know what I mean? But what you do is if the, the people who aren't going to ever be good hosts, you take mm -hmm. that anxiety away from them. Because yeah. my guess is that anxiety is part of the reason they're not a great host either. And if you remove that from it, now they can organically learn to grow their set, do more time without the unnecessary pressure of having to do the host Cause, duties. Because that room in Jokers was 70% Ben tickets, 30% wherever else, right? So, and then because the headliner was... I mean, he was, I can't think, I don't even know his name. He was, I can't, that's how much he just 
didn't whatever. He's this book like Ike. Ike had a, and uh, I'm not knocking him, but what I'm saying is like, so you have seventy percent for one person. It's not the headliner, so you're not going to have that. Is that what you're saying? Because like, you people have to want to be come see somebody. Why well, does when people pay for a ticket? Yeah, that's an investment into the show. They mm-hmm. even if it's five bucks, they've now invested something in. They they're they're also aware they're they're there for comedy. A lot of times, independent shows, it, they may not be. They may just be people hanging out at a bar having dinner, and now there's a show going on around mm-hmm. them. Whereas if they paid for a ticket, there's at least that first layer of investment into the show. One of the funniest right. guys I saw up there was um, I think he's from Cincinnati, Josh Need. Oh, I love Josh Need. I met him and uh, just he was fucking. Just he just killed it, and then I had no idea who he was. And then after that, he I is just... brilliant, and he is very kind. Yeah, he yeah he afterwards very kind. He signed CDs or stuff like that. When mm-hmm. they still sold CDs, that's how long ago I, I played poker there. with him. He was a big Reds fan, and yes, then, he is. Um, and then I followed him on Twitter. He was like the first person I followed on Twitter or whatever, and he was just like, see how his career has grown and stuff like that. Oh, he's the of, Cincinnati guy. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those guys like. With good attitudes, been around for a while, do do good because, like they said, they're, they're they know they're the secure, art. they're secure, and they know the art of making someone feel good. Like a lot of these guys, they'll get done off stage like headliners and then just go and won't even come back out to shake hands. Like, especially during COVID, nobody was coming out. Like, it'd just be the open micers or like the post and feature out there shaking hands while the is, headliners. Is there a lot of chilling. insecurity? Is that why? No, I'm talking about during COVID. But no, it was no, I'm talking about of, like in comedy. Yeah, I'm talking about. That's why most comedians hate other comedians and that, talk shit about. That's them. what I was wondering is because like it's weird because like from a support standpoint, it's 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 like you see two people together. Like you see uh, Thad and Dyke, right? They live together, two of my buddies, and then like they started working together, and then you just like like that trust part, right? And you didn't really see a whole lot of other people, if that makes sense. I mean, is that because of the trust factor more than anything? No, nah, I think it's just two two comedians that just started working together and just became more than like brothers. You better see more than friends. I, I mean, no, but but Thad they listens be, to this, so be careful. No, nah, but I'm just saying they be, they became more than friends as a bro, like a brotherhood. They know one if a hey, we 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 book each other, we help each other get booked. If I'm not on one show, I'm coming to support you. Like, that is the ideal. And they play well off each other. Yeah, and they play well yeah. off each other. So that's the ideal brotherhood you want in comedy. Like, like it, it, I mean, it ain't no click because it's just them two, but they cool with everybody. Yeah, they, they're. You know what I'm saying? That's so why. It's like, that's, they're never going to have that issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can remember when Thaddeus was trying to do black rooms and he had did my guy J. Kill room and he had brought a lot of people, but he didn't do so hot. And then uh, the host was talking shit about him, and I guess I guess he ended his joke talking about the host, and the host started talking ringing on him and shit. Yeah. And he said that how he felt after the show, it felt bad because like nobody came up to him and like gave no upbeat talk or anything like that. But it also made him feel like I ain't gonna never go through this bullshit ever again, and I'm yep. gonna come correct. And that, he said that ended up being the best. That was the the exactly. eye opener for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, this let me know that hey, I gotta put some real meat and work in. Now look at that. That is murdering black rooms, white rooms. He's doing his thing. He found his niche. So hey, sometimes you gotta take that beat down to come back yep. up. I've taken a gang of them, dog. <sighs> black room. I, hey, I was all, when I first started doing comedy. I was doing comedy at Muncie. So I was doing straight white rooms. You know what I'm saying? That's why my crack, transition to crackers was so fucking easy. Because it was like, it's another black comedian that gets it. 
But the only thing was that I just didn't know the lingo. So when I did a black room, even though I'm black, I got booed because that shit was trash. Mm-hmm. None of that shit was like relatable. <laughs> it was relatable, but it was like, we don't do that. You know what I mean? So it was like, oh, See, I'm shit. working on I'm working on making that transition into white rooms. More. You gotta be a good writer. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm figuring out. You have to be very creative. But you with the guy that's gonna get you all the way together. Sometimes you gotta find your comedy mentor. Yeah, there's comedy mentors in the city, man. Like, there's a lot of comedy mentors. Chris Shaw was like my first one. Kyle Buck helped me out a lot. Chris Shaw was cool. Kyle just cared. Like, I still produce his podcast. Kyle, yeah, Kyle's a good dude. Who blocked you? Chris Shaw. Oh. Over some misunderstood type shit. Dude, you've been man. blocked by more people than anybody now. Uh-uh, I blocked Nate really. today. He's been in Facebook jail. Yeah, I've been in Facebook jail because I was cussing. Like, I couldn't say ass or nothing. It was and like then, getting bad. And then you like, started fighting over sundresses. Oh, yeah. I, I got canceled by the black culture for saying a white woman's sundress ass look kind of fatter. That's why you can't. You can only it's spend like, so it's much like time. I could do humanitarian work in the city, but the minute I talk about. A white woman's ass being fatter than a yeah. black woman's ass, which shouldn't even fucking... What? They should know this is a joke. But just the fact of the matter is, it's me, and they just want to just fucking rang on me. It says skate comedy, and they're like, they're there for serious takes. They were with serious takes. Like, they think like, it's the first news, take. The daily yeah. news, yeah. That's why, I like, that's why Facebook is the... I hate Facebook. It's the worst fucking shit known to man. Uh, Everybody just white women taken enough from black women, though? <laughs> No, never, <laughs> never. What did Bill Burr say? You were to, to the white woman. He's like, you were there right beside us the whole fucking time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. And I was like, that is so true. You were there in the hot tubs with us <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, spending the blood money. Yep, spending the blood money. Hey, I think these guys are trying to hit the mic. Uh, Aisha's mic. What? So if we had, if you would have walked in and been prepared, like you, you normally would, then <laughs> I, I, I would have known that. I'm prepared. Well, if these I'm uh, in no hurry. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. They're they'll wait for me. I'm not too stressed. Wow. Damn, I ain't know. It's like walking in the chicken oh, like, the chuckles after Joker. No, 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 right? no, no. Shout yeah, <laughs> shout out to Margarita Mondays, Aisha Brown, Mike Shaw. Hell yeah. They did the show. They've done the show before. They did a two parter. Yeah, they're the yeah. best. Back yeah. when we were splitting. Oh, they back they're, when we were splitting man, it. they're king of the two part <laughs> podcast. You remember whenever they had me on Christ. Yeah, they split it. They always yeah. do that shit. The uh no, we actually we're actually an hour and a half in, so we're good. Okay. Well, um, what's um, and I'll be here next week. I'm not traveling. Oh, you'll be here next week too. Yeah. Nice. Well, we have um, Terry. Terry. Yep. Terry Shepard. Look, look. Now we got it to the point now where we got guests every fucking week now. That's because you thanks have someone me. that knows what the fuck they're doing. And thanks to me for knowing everybody. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. <laughs> I told you the format to a good podcast when I started doing open mics. I go meet comedians like, hey, when you want to do the the podcast, and they look like, oh, they look professional. And then they would show up like, oh, these guys are professional. Instead of whatever the fuck you were doing, see exactly. There's a, there's a yeah, there's a drinking game if Nate answers his phone. There's also a drinking game when he yawns. There's a drinking game when he eats. On the show? Yeah, he'll just randomly. He'll be like, "Hey man, I gotta take this phone call." See man, this is money's it's, calling. It's, it's money calling, baby. Goddamn, you want me to tell my damn business on this motherfucker? And I can't wait to I pay back my debt to the black society, and this will be over. Wow. And then what are you going to do? That's Reparations? You're going to go back to... Uh, I'm going uh, to get an Asian co-host then. You're going to go back to, we need to be a walls 
for everywhere. We need what to section out everywhere. You gonna go back to that? <laughs> Little hands. <laughs> no, Nate's always afraid we're gonna get canceled by some of the shit I say. That I was like, they can't cancel. I own all this. They can't, no, man. Yeah, stop, no, com- yeah, stop like, going to the no, because we'll, we'll say like shit, derogatory shit, like you know. No, I don't. Tease. I've only had to, I've only had to edit things from you, not me. Yeah, but you've said some bullshit too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, come on now, don't 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 just don't put this all on me. No, 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 no. But I won't edit. I just leave it in. Yeah, it's like you left the F A G word in. No, I took it out. Well, it's in there again now. You, <laughs> yeah, because I'm not taking it out. I spelled it, motherfucker. I'm gonna. I spe- well, actually, hang on, hang on. No, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. So, anyways, guys, Don, man, where you at next, brother? Uh, I'm at the White Rabbit tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm at the White Rabbit tomorrow doing a storytelling show. Nice. Yep. And then this weekend I'm at Gutty's Friday and Saturday night. Cool. You hosting, right? Yep. All right. Cool. Dope. 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 Where else you at after that? Uh, you got your uh, your your yeah. Show at up? the at the end of the month, one I'm really really looking forward to is the story in. Uh, Aaron Harden? Yeah, with Aaron Harden, yeah. He used to be a sponsor for us. That's one of the things I mean whenever I say, like, just being around. I just went to Bark for my Franklin show to, like, hand out flyers and stuff and met him. And he's never seen me do stand-up before, but he booked me to host. I've sent him video nice. and stuff, but... Did you, uh, how was your show last week? You did the little Miami Room or whatnot with uh, Amber James yeah, and that was, those? that was fun. I only got five minutes, which that, meh. I mean... Who, who ran that show? Uh, speaking of being nice to the staff at helium chick who works at helium her name's atlantis uh first show she ever put on wow yeah okay. I, yeah she she definitely she wants to keep doing it and uh, anyone she that wants to run should. a show yeah running a show's not easy by uh, any means she changed it though she should never she should never change the show from a paid come in and mission to free don't ever do that yeah i noticed they did that i was just happy i still got paid i was worried about that when i saw yeah. that i was like where's the money going then <laughs> brad where you at next brother Oh, who knows? <laughs> who fucking cares? Well, what you got? No what you working on? Shit. What you got going on? I know you're working on. Some uh, shit. So I, uh, I'll be doing a lot of stuff with PopCon coming up. Uh, I do usually a live podcast every year, and I usually do just content around the convention. But uh, I believe it hasn't been 100 percent confirmed, so uh, I don't want to 100 percent say it. But I'll say 90 percent. Hopefully, uh, I'm going to be recording Single Dad. It's Available on YouTube right now, Brad Scott Single Dad, but this is going to be a more updated version, and a it's going to end up being pretty much a different set, but it's basically the story of how uh, I became a single dad and got sole custody gotcha. of my son. Gotcha, love Yeah, we did. Love we had press passes at PopCon. That's why I saw you, because yeah, you're about to debate a religious guy. So that, that is... <laughs> Of that course. is on my that's podcast, fitting. Subjective that's the, that's Comedy. Course. That's the only time we had just did a podcast together. I walked up and he was, I was smoking, he was smoking, and I was talking to him. He just walked away, and I was, just, and I was like, I was like, what the fuck's his problem? <laughs> and then he came out to smoke later. He was like, hey man, I'm sorry about that. I, I was like, I had to do that debate. Oh that yeah, guy. yeah, with the, the, yeah, because I had to make sure that that guy. So basically, what so happened? So that's, that's one of those weird podcast moments. Like, hey, I, you're at the house, hung out. How are you? And he's like. This, yeah, I gotta go. And I was like, what the fuck? So, wait, wait, hold on. For some context. So, I was under a, so that year they, I had done a live show with like a few of uh, my just friends uh, from a couple from other podcasts or whatever. And we did a live show for my podcast, Objective Comedy. Well, they asked me to do a second live show and I couldn't think of like what to do. I didn't want to do the same type of thing. So, 
it was my uh, son's first uh, pride parade that we went to. And there was the guy that's, uh, you know, out there with the megaphone yelling, you're all going to hell and everything. And I end up every time my son and I have ever encountered someone like that, I've always gone and talked to them. And my point was always to teach him that, hey, I can go talk to this person who I have completely different uh, you know, beliefs in, and I can have a civil conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we can agree to disagree, shake hands and walk away. And every time it always happens. So I was talking to that guy and that's when I convinced him to come to PopCon yep. and debate me on the stage. And I had several people, uh, including a couple of friends who were adamantly against it and thought it was a terrible idea and thought I was going to be uh, ruining people's times at PopCon or whatever, but luckily, uh, I don't know what he's called, the president of PopCon or whatever, Carl Doniger, mm-hmm. uh, he had faith in it, and he told me he was terrified because he did not know how it was going to go. <laughs> they knew what I was bringing in, but the guy had assured me that he was going to be respectful, he wasn't going to use any type of slur or anything else, and that's what we did. And if you go listen to it, I think it's one of the best pieces of content I've ever uh, pro- uh, you know, produced because it you can hear at the beginning of the uh, the episode where I'm talking to the crowd and addressing the, hey, there's going to be some material that may be offensive, blah, blah, blah. And it just sounds like I'm in a big, empty, uh, you know, food court. And then it's silent through the entire interview with this guy. And you don't realize it until the end because what happened was in real time, people started gravitating over towards and listening to us. And by the end of the 30 minutes or whatever the interview is, the entire food court was filled with people shoulder to shoulder listening silently. And then at the end, when I asked him to give him a round of applause for having the courage to, you know, come to a place that he knew he wasn't welcome, you just hear this thunderous applause of the room being full. It's a really, really cool uh, kind of audio experience. But that's why I was, because I was getting ready to do that. And I was so fucking anxious about, is this guy going to fuck me over and like ruin my reputation with PopCon and everything else? I didn't, he because and you could hear halfway through it when I call him out about something that he almost breaks and you can tell he just wants to call me the we just uh <laughs> my company had a booth at pride fest i just left there sold him a bunch of speakers it was a great experience um and then that's when we went over there we had press passes um i can't think of the guy who got him for us or whatever he's hawaiian um he works for a radio station in bloomington mm. i speak of that i haven't seen him on social media in a long time hopefully, hopefully he's okay, okay. Yeah. but anyway so and then we actually watched that i actually watched that oh the, the, yep. the interview mm-hmm. And you're right. Like it was, it was very strange throughout the whole thing. But it was, I think, I think it was a really just good experience. It, it's just, right because it's right by the food court. People are eating, drinking their sodas, and all of a sudden you hear people talking. And then we had just started doing podcasts. This was 2017 when it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've been doing ours about a year. And so, like, when I see someone doing, I was like, "Hey, what are they doing?" And we sit there and watch it. But yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a. It was. It's one of the the cool. And also the, an episode called. Um, I think it's uh, something about homeless. Uh, I interview a homeless woman who I'd picked up driving Uber, and she has one of the most incredible stories. She was uh, originally, after high school, she went to uh, the Army, became an Army medic, was overseas, was on a truck that was bombed, had over 34 surgeries on her shoulder. She ended up losing her benefits through the VA and lost her pain uh, pills. So using her medical knowledge, she started using small amounts of heroin to supplement for the painkillers, gets addicted to heroin, and it's an insanely crazy uh, falling into homelessness. It's an insanely crazy story. It's a two part episode, but it, those those three things right there, those that two part episode wow. and that uh, pride debate are the probably the three things I'm proud of stuff content wise. Wow. Yeah. Subjective comedy on Apple and Spotify. Nice, nice. Uh, first thing I want to say, shout uh, condolences, man, to the family of uh, Marcus Combs. 
Uh, if you don't know who Marcus Combs is, look him up. Uh, famous legend, comedian from Chicago, Illinois. Lost, he passed away this morning. Uh, prayers to his family, all his friends, family all over. I've done a couple of shows with him. He's one guy that actually broke it down to me, like broke the game down like to a science, like a damn, like Phil Jackson broke that shit all the way down. And I can remember like always doing shows with him and he being like, motherfucker, you gonna be funny today? And I used to like get so shitty, like this nigga does not think I'm funny. And then the last show I did with him, which was like a couple of months ago, he was like, I actually sat here and laughed and I enjoyed myself, dude. You, I don't know. I finally that shit's clicking, motherfuckers. Good job, dog. So I, at least I was able to finally get like his blessings before you know. He unfortunately, his for, unfortunate time, uh, untimely, untimely death. But I just want to shout him out, man, and him, you know his family, and you know condolences to him. But guys, if you look up a funny comedian. Marcus Combs, he has this joke about these Chinese women doing manicure and pedicures. He's like, manicure, pedicure. And he's like doing that throughout the whole time. And it's just hilarious. So, man, very funny comedian. A comic that really never had to switch up his jokes. Like, his shit was so legendary, you didn't have to. People just wanted to hear that shit. Uh, But I wanted to shout him out before I even really got into everything I got going on. Uh, Chicken and Chuckles every fucking Thursday. At 1313 Eatery uh, on the east side, 12, uh, uh, 1313 North Sherman uh, Sherman Drive. Uh, come out. It's free of charge. Comedians, calling all comedians, man. If you do win, you win a free meal and you rent a feature set for a future show. Good it's food. It's a paid show and Good it's food. great fucking food. Great food. Uh, you hear BJ saying great food. And the place don't look like they got good food, but... You walk in that raggedy motherfucker and the food It's the is place delicious. that would have great food because it doesn't look like a fucking Applebee's with a bunch yeah, of fake shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all this shit's original, good. They need to get their AC together, though, because goddamn, we had I, speed dating yesterday. It's still it not? Was, it's still not? Oh, my God. It was worse. But uh, nah, man. Chicken and Chuckles. Got a couple shows coming up. I can't even think of which ones. I know I got one with my guy, Nate Russ. He's leaving, going to Atlanta. Uh uh, June the 11th. Uh, make sure y'all come out to that. It's going down. I just got booked on another show at Club Illusions with Aisha. Uh, I got a couple of weekends out of town coming up. Newport Funny Bone, uh, Virginia. So I got some shit coming up finally. So, but uh, man, shout out to you, Brad. Man, appreciate you for coming on the show. Thank bro. you guys for having me. Man, thank you so much, bro. Brad is a legend, man, in the Indianapolis comedy scene. Don't let the don't let what everybody think of him. <laughs> book him Indiana book him the guy's funny he's always giving you good shows he's a, he's a comic uh, shout out to Don Mason for coming on Don man appreciate you bro appreciate you for coming out BJ any last words brother um podcast comes out on Monday it's a funny show um also we will be coming out on Tuesdays from now on and then, other than that, hanging out with you on Thursdays, that's really all I'll be doing. Oh, and shout out to Devin, man. Devin and his Dev, you coming back in the, in the fold of things, man. Is he a comedian? Yeah. Yeah, he actually just did uh, the Fountain Square Brewery. Killed it. Cool. We had another, no, we had another mic. He could have sat down here and cut it up. <coughs> I like to just chill. I like your mentality. <laughs> Plus, we already had Nate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on Well, no. <laughs> Never mind. Well, on Sundays, there's three black guys here, so the limit's three. <laughs> I'm about to say, yeah, we were deep for a couple of weeks oh, in a row. Oh, here, I'll tell you this story real fast. 
So um, I don't smoke weed. I don't care who smokes weed. It doesn't bother me, right? But so there was three black guys and a black lady on the patio smoking weed yesterday right around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. My One of my son's girlfriend <laughs> pulls up and just sees him just out there smoking. And she's, and she, of course, she's a little white girl. And she's like, told, told my wife, she's like, hey, there's like black people outside smoking weed on the patio. My wife's like, yeah, that's just BJ's friends. Don't worry about it. And just walked away. <laughs> and they made us that's, feel like shit when he died. That's the kind of guy I want to be. But look, though, because I'm, like, hey, I'm like, because I know I know BJ don't smoke. So it's like, all right. The reason I don't smoke is that I get a headache. Oh, Nate did jump I don't get our to enjoy ass just it. like our dad. Well, no, but, but <laughs> yeah, so BJ, when he I. was disappointed, not mad. When I'm, we walked outside, <laughs> you saw me hold up my little bowl, right? Yeah, to like, indicate. Yeah, and he gave me the wave. Yeah. So I thought we were cool. And then Nate walks up and he goes, for fucking the least black thing he could ever say was yeah, are you guys it. smoking dope yeah. like he sounded yeah. like Carlton he sounded like Carlton but look though I sound like Carlton you ain't shit for that motherfucker you ain't shit for that I need you to input that you're not unusual <laughs> no. to be loved no. by anyone when the, I say that though when you're editing I'm actually gonna pull it <clears throat> There we go. That's my favorite one. But yeah, man, I told them motherfuckers put the shit down because I, I out of respect for your oh, wife. Oh, put the shit down. No, you said, yeah. are you guys smoking dope? Yeah, I said, put the dope down. Smoke it. It's not mine. You guys do it. You don't smoke. Put the dope down. All I know is so they smoke weed. We did the show or whatever. And I'll sit out there with them, whatever, smoke heaters. And then after the show, there was a bag sitting on uh, one of the hoods or whatever. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's gummies. And I was like, all right, can I have some? So I grabbed some, gave them to the wife. She likes the gummies. <laughs> but she's but she's an asshole with the gummies. Like, she'll keep waking me up and not realize she's waking up. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, what? And she, <laughs> I came back here and slept. I swear, I sleep joke. back here. That's a good one. The um, But no, I didn't know, like, Steph like like gummies. And actually, that's a picture of her up there, by the way. You keep pointing that out. Why would I not point it out? Because <laughs> she's hot. <laughs> she she had that printed and, and framed to hang in the studio. And you move it every week. Uh, we had some issues with the foam. So that is called the Antichrist. That's the pose. Oh. Because okay. if you meet <laughs> women like that, you're going to lose some shit. You're gonna do some shit that you normally wouldn't do. You're gonna do some shit. Here, to hold this. So do some shit to lose some shit. Um, but no, thanks for guys coming on. You guys are always welcome. I mean, you guys are what Greenwood guys too. I uh, live a mile away from here. If you guys, like I said, ever need anything to use this, whatever, just let me know. Nice, right on. Um, you're white, so I know you won't steal anything. I'm not white, and that's the episode, y'all. <laughs> Nate will not be back. <laughs> I will see you next week as the new host. Because <laughs> Nate, Nate's like, you guys smoking on uh, grass out there? You got some dope in that devil's lettuce. That marijuana. All right, guys. I hope you guys have a great Tuesday. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>